0: Mm. Mm. Toy, was it toy soldiers? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It was the Gorgons versus the like the Kryptonites Mil- or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like the toys ended up building like these robots that shot like nail
1: guns and stuff. Dude, dude, Small Soldiers was one of the best
0: movies. It was so dude, I loved it. And it was like, um, it was like, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. They're doing like psychological warfare. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: so good. You want to keep? You sounded so loud there for some reason.
0: It's because I'm enthusiastic.
1: Can you like tone down the enthusiasm a bit?
0: Hey guys, so uh, it's another week. What is life but not worth living? Whoa,
1: <laughs> is that toned down enough for you? Uh, maybe you. What a- is
0: birth but a means to an end? <laughs> yeah, you, you took things a bit too far. Yeah. Uh. Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis, 2011, and Ryan.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 96 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law. His name is Ryan. How are we doing?
0: Good. Yeah, we're doing really well. Um, I think it's been like a month and a half since we've sat in the same room to record. Last week we did separate places. It it turned out pretty well. Um, But we were having some issues this morning and drove over here. Got your uh, computer up and running and we're seeing how this goes. But I think it sounds pretty good. Better than... uh, our first voice meter attempt. Jeez, yeah, no, it's system. definitely
1: been a roller coaster to get things up and running here. Uh, but I think we're finally in a good place. Uh, and certainly taking as many precautions as we could with COVID, but I think um, we're at a good distance. You're healthy. We're in a good distance here. But then also, I got word that my dad tested negative this morning. Awesome. So uh, after about a month of continuing to test positive, Really, like maybe two or three weeks, uh, yeah. he finally tested negative and he's still doing really well. So, I'm super happy about that. And of course, Ryan or Lauren and I uh, have continued to test negative and are not exhibiting any symptoms. So, I thought, um, you know, why don't you just come over here? We'll get behind the mics in the same room finally because it, it definitely takes away from it. Like, there's one thing to be through Discord, like which we've, we've been doing the past week or so, yeah, um, to see each other through video, but to be in person, it just I don't know, get a different kind of energy recording in the same room together. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, so, definitely for. excited to be behind the mic because, Ryan, we have a packed show, as we typically do in Otaku Brothers, but I think we have lots of topics that I'm super excited to talk about today. Yeah, me too. One of them being something that um, can can typically be a little corny, a little cheesy, happens every every time of... I mean, every year, I'm already struggling to talk today, every year around this time in December, the Game Awards, yes, hosted by Jeff Keighley. You know, we always get a couple fun announcements, and it's always just kind of fun to reminisce about the year that was in video games. And so we want to take some time to go through the nominees and share what we predict is going to win, what we want to win, and then maybe at the tail end, even share some bold predictions about what might potentially be showcased. Dude, I'm super excited. So I have hopes <laughs> uh, <laughs> that are going to be destroyed. I have dreams, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so that should be exciting. And then maybe if we have some time at the end, I am just foaming at the mouth wanting to talk about The Mandalorian. God, he's so good. Because yeah. I actually didn't watch the first three or four episodes, and then... Um, you definitely risk getting a twitter account to see things that are trending certain character names that are trending so if you're not caught up in the mandalorian i would stay off socials for a while until you're caught up because you do you wouldn't want some of these key critical moments in the story to be spoiled for you of course no and um so of course ryan and i will make sure that we are abundantly clear when we get into spoiler territory if we choose to talk about the mandalorian at the tail end of the show so definitely look forward to that but as we always do on the About This podcast we talk about how our weeks are going so ryan what's been going on the past few days
0: uh not much i mean so last weekend was thanksgiving uh, i went up to my roommate or old roommate's rick's place for two days yeah we I, talked about that last episode yeah so then after that i still needed a day to unwind so i ended up taking monday off oh good for you man from work and i played demon souls i played the shit out of demon souls <laughs> and then i made a few other characters throughout the week But then I wanted to change pace. So, um, besides just work and games, that's all really I've been doing. Mm -hmm. Started a family. Oh, yeah? (laughs) How's (laughs) that? Good throughout Nebraska. Nice. Yeah. Is his name Nolan? It could be <laughs> okay. it could be related <laughs> you never know all the nebraskans are related so. I, I heard about that one yeah it's kind of like west virginia or some of those southern states interesting well yeah
1: i'll go ahead and share how my week is <laughs> <Yeah, going. laughs> please
0: take the mic off of me <laughs> we should record in person we really shouldn't it's the worst yeah uh
1: i've been having a pretty decent week work is continuing to get a little bit busier uh which is nice especially around this time of year you know, you kind of hope things start to wind down at the holiday season, but I think for me, it kind of is that nice final push to kind of incentivize and motivate you to work harder, just so you can kind of enjoy that time off a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, even though Lauren actually, and Lauren and I are actually not taking any time off this year, just because um, with our work we're able to carry five extra vacation days over. Yeah. Um. So I'll carry ten vacation days into next year, and I'm hoping you know if. If vaccines are widely available for, available for people and travel restrictions let up a little bit, um, Lauren recently found out that with work, she's going to be able to travel to Ireland, Spain, the Netherlands, New Zealand, and Switzerland, maybe. Um, so really kind of shitty places that I have no interest in going to. But I think... <laughs> like What are those hell holes of like, countries? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, traveling to Mordor would be a really good time. So, New Zealand would yeah. definitely be the top of the list, but Spain, like, that'd be so amazing. That'd be really nice. The Netherlands and Switzerland are obviously beautiful, and, uh, if we go to Ireland, we have a friend of the show, Dean, maybe I could go pub-hopping with him, that'd be a good time. Yeah, I'm not
0: angry and jealous at all that you get to go to the <laughs> <local.
1: laughs> Well, I mean, the chances of any of that actually coming to fruition are, are pretty, um... Probably better than Japan. Yeah, Would you still hop over to Japan after the New
0: Zealand trip, or...
1: Probably not. I think Japan would be something that Lauren and I would wait to... We'd probably have kids by the time we go to Japan, I would think. Okay. And you know, our parents would um, take turns taking care of the kiddos. And then we would hopefully maybe five, eight, maybe even 10 years at this point would make it over to Japan. Um, but I think my interest has shifted to New Zealand and Ireland probably being top priorities. Okay. Um, as much as I want to go to Japan, obviously, Lauren and I were supposed to go there earlier this year. Then the pandemic happened, and we couldn't. Uh, those those pan- plans were kind of squashed.
0: I mean, you might worry that, like, in eight years, you you might not have like that nerdy side still.
1: I mean, I'm probably I mean, gonna just destroy all my video games here pretty soon. That's what so. I was afraid of. Mm. You know, just one night, you wake up, you're like, purple's the worst. The PS5 actually probably would burn pretty well if I used it as uh, firewall.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, you take that cooler out, <laughs> and it just lights up in flames. Yeah. So.
1: Uh, but yeah, traveling and stuff. So hopefully um, one of those plans can happen. You know, I'm not sure uh, what Lauren's work is going to consider doing with their associates moving forward in terms of shipping them off to somewhere like Ireland, because that's where a lot of her suppliers are. But if any of that does happen, I definitely want to take full advantage of that. So that's why, like, you know what? I'll just work through the holidays. Of course, I'll have, um, I think, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's uh, Day off and stuff like that. Um, but definitely looking forward to having something that time off to... Just chill with Lauren and play good games. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? So, uh, outside of that, what else has been going on this week? Well, there was a little uh, thing that happened. My friend... I was
0: going to say you're using something that you previously didn't have.
1: (laughs) Well, it's... it's, Yeah, because last weekend I still used this monitor to track everything, but I was using Lauren's laptop to record everything. So, my buddy Aiden, I'm not sure if he's listening, he helped me build the PC yesterday. So, uh, all the parts came in a couple weeks ago. uh, I really... Leading up to Thanksgiving and he loves building PCs. I was more than happy to pay him for assembling everything, but he was like, no, literally (laughs) payment is allowing me to build this PC. So he put all the parts together last night and then, um... I, you know, I don't build PCs often, obviously, so the true test is pressing the power button and seeing everything comes on, and uh, thankfully, he put all the pieces in the right place, and we pressed the power button, everything came on, and I was actually watching the Cartridge Club um, Extra Life stream. they're raising money for children's hospitals, which, uh, knowing my medical history and past, I'm very passionate about that, so I was just tuning in and watching all of the wonderful people over there stream good games. And uh, watching some Pete Door um, doing some of the eBay stream game hunting yeah. stuff. So really taxing the PC last night, but thankfully it's still <laughs> yeah. up and running and doing well. And uh, I'm looking forward to taxing a little bit more in the coming weeks. Maybe getting into my Steam library. I've been having I've had a ton of games just sitting there. Like I've never played the Gothic series, but it's a third person um, kind of Western RPG series that I'm really interested in okay. playing. Uh, although. Right in the coattails of the witcher 3 earlier this year i would love to go back and play either the first or second witcher knowing that there's a lot of quality of life stuff that's probably stripped from those games compared to three um but just my love of Geralt at this point going back to see um the, the humble beginnings of that series might be fun so nothing crazy i mean again I mean, you,
0: skyrim i mean there's so many mods
1: yeah skyrim oblivion um Rollercoaster Tycoon, the Putt Putt series, like just games that I have. It, series so good. Lots of nostalgia for is exactly what I'm gonna be, you know, playing over the holidays because um, it's been a rough year. And what better way to play games like Sim City, The Sims, Rollercoaster Tycoon, and the Putt Putt series? Yeah, just uh, sure. have some some good times. But but yeah, so hopefully moving forward, uh, we don't run into any issues with uh, recording complications. Certainly, if we're in the same room, we shouldn't run into any issues. Um, recording remotely for whatever reason I think we need to figure out maybe getting a different recording software because for whatever reason voice meter remotely with discord just never seems to work for us
0: yeah I think audacity is good but it's voice meter at a, like different places is the issue
1: yeah and I don't know if it's back in configuration that I'm just incompetent and I can't get it to work uh, definitely the more likely scenario I doubt it's the application itself but regardless I can't seem to get it to work so I'm not really going to spin my wheels um, trying to get it to work if it's just um, going to give us trouble. Because I think in the past few months, we've spent more time troubleshooting than we actually have been recording episodes.
0: Yeah, I mean, last weekend, I think we spent two hours. Mm-hmm. And then the episode was like two hours.
1: Yeah, well, so it the, like a,
0: It's a good 50-50 split. <laughs> well, the
1: weekend before that, I think we spent three hours troubleshooting. We just didn't record an episode because it, at that point, I was so frustrated that I'm like, if I do record a podcast episode right now, and we do magically find a uh, a workaround here, I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna. It's it's yeah. gonna be obvious that I'm gonna. Well, be that's the one where you frustrated. created like
0: an AI and it was trying to like take over our computers and record us in a like separate chat room. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the thing that's like creating all those monoliths across the world that disappear in a day. That's fascinating. what the fuck is up with that. I
1: don't really know. You want to talk about that real quick? Sure. I, I mean, have you read into it though?
0: Uh. No, not really. I just, I see these posts and they're like, oh, out in this desert, there's this monolith and then like a week later, or like a day later, it's gone.
1: Because one of them I think was originally in New Mexico, perhaps, maybe it was Nevada.
0: I think it was out
1: west. Yeah, it was out west somewhere. One of those deserty states. And someone said it was a nod to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. And then a, a couple weeks later, it disappeared. And then another one showed up in Romania, and then mm-hmm. one showed up in, like, California. And so now, if it's some coordinated effort among humans, that's amazing, and I applaud them I think it's for, probably Reddit, you know? Yeah, it has to be. Some weird community of people. one of them, I
0: think the one in the Romania look welded together. Oh, okay. So it's not like, hey, it's this 1,000-pound pure, like, titanium thing. Oh. It's like, oh, it's a sh- thing of sheet metal welded together.
1: Mm -hmm. okay
0: so even in the the faces were welded together so it's not like a super long sheet either so that that gives me hope but it also destroys my hope of aliens the truth is out there ryan and so are aliens i mean i mean i think the world's flat so (laughs) or it at least hollow inside so convince me otherwise
1: not really in the business of convincing you otherwise today, Ryan, But what I do want to talk about, as we also always do on the Otaku Brothers podcast, is the games that we've been playing recently. What have you been? You've actually been playing some really interesting stuff. Yeah.
0: So I, I was getting prepped for this this episode. So to start out the week, Monday, I played Demon Souls basically the entire day um, when I had I was off work, and I think I have three bosses left. So you have to clear. Each world to get to the final boss. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I'm thinking. So I have two bosses in one world, and then I have the final boss. So that was, it was a ton of fun. I've I've created three characters already. Um, one for a pure mage build. One my unoptimized shit start build, but it I'm using the sword I want. So that was my only box to check, and then a pure strength build. Okay. Um, and then to kind of start or prepare for this episode um the hades was only 20 bucks on the switch store nice um so i ended up picking that one up and starting that i think wednesday and then i also picked up another one i actually bought it two places one for a the switch so i can play it handheld and then one on the ps4 so i could play it right right away well plus trophies yeah i understand Yeah, and trophies Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing about games Mm -hmm. because we don't enjoy games we just get them for trophies Yep, all about the um, mean release. Yeah, so I, it's Nexomon, which, as it sounds, is a pure ripoff of Pokemon. Uh, or a drug for anxiety, <laughs> but okay. Yeah, no, it, it's probably the funniest, most sarcastic game I've played. Like, I've, within the first hour, which is all I played that first night, I was laughing most of the time I was playing, because it was just reiterating the absurdity with Pokemon in general. So the the main premise is basically the Nexomon or Pokemon spinoffs went to war with the humans. The history of Pokemon that Pokemon doesn't address, but this one went full fledged. Like there was like this demon that controlled the Nexomon, and the Nexomon turned after they started murdering humans. And there was like this legendary group of people, and you just happen to be the tyrant. And then you wake up and you start your char- You make your character. And you're this kid, 10-year-old kid, similar to Pokemon. And, yeah, you just kind of go off on your journey. And they're like, hey, you need to catch your starting Pokemon. You have, from now until midnight, go off into the woods and catch a, a Nexamon." And there's this little cat named Coco who goes around with you, who is just a sarcastic asshole. And what he says to the professor, or the professor's assistant, is... Have you ever played an RPG? That sounds like a horrible idea. Sending kids out into the uh, woods at night. And then from there on out, it just addresses the absurdity and it's,
1: it's hilarious. They're like... No, this is amazing. I'm actually pulling I have it up on Steam here. I mean, these look like literal carbon copy fan art design, character designs there for are Pokemon. There are 384 different Nexamon Okay, so here's the description on Steam. Because this, honestly, Ryan texted me. He's like, hey, I got a game for Switch. Or PS4? Both. Okay, yeah, okay, so you said you got it for Switch uh, when you texted me. I, I bought it on Switch so you guys could
0: play it too. Okay, So I yeah. wanted to end up lending it to Lauren because I think she'd really like it.
1: Yeah, and so when you described it to me, because I typically am pretty up to date with new game releases, but you said, yeah, it came out in the summer, a little obscure because I was saying Paper Mario or did that weird game. uh This was a Machina Cross Deamon or whatever come out this year. And you said, no, it starts with an N and I had literally no idea what it was. And when you said Nexamon, again, it was just had no idea what you were talking about. But this looks exactly like Pokemon. I mean, yeah, the battle looks like, I mean, you have this little Pokemon or this little Nexamon, level 46 against this other one level 43. Um, The combat, all the setup, everything looks identical to Pokemon in the description here says, catch, evolve, and collect over 300 unique Nexamon. Assemble the ultimate Nexamon team to save your friends and save the world. Clash against legendary champions and become a hero in this epic journey. Ten bucks on Steam. Very positive reviews of the 534 people that have reviewed it.
0: Yeah. I think on Steam, it was like a 97. And then on whatever the other one, it was like a 93. And there were a thousand reviews. wow
1: no one talking about this i I don't
0: know but it's it's hilarious it's a harder version of pokemon it kind of goes back to the old pokemon feel in the 2d games okay and instead of having like a pp for each move um you have stamina for each one of your pokemon Mm. so you have 100 stamina and each move takes up a certain amount of stamina so you have like razor leaf takes up 10 stamina so you can only use it 10 times before you're completely out of stamina... you have to either use an item... Or go to the Pokemon station. Or next station. station. So you have to be more strategic... And you can't just one-shot people... With a super effective move. So instead of... I think it's times two for super effective... Or like times four for four times effective... It's 1.25. And you're... If you're like... Their resistance to your moves... It's 0.65... So it's not like, hey, I'm going to multiply times two your move. It's like, I'm only giving you a 25% boost if you're using like fire on leaf kind of thing.
1: So there are ele- elemental weaknesses from Nexamon to Nexamon.
0: Yeah. So I think there are eight total elements. Um, you have the typical like water, fire, leaf, wind, psychic, ghost, and normal, I think mm. are all of them. Okay. And a dragon kind of falls into, you have like a water dragon or a fire dragon, and they're not under dragons specifically they're under like the element that they the guy is using
1: okay so how do you progress are there like gym leaders similar to Pokemon? yeah
0: so i'm not i'm only two hours in um i wanted to see one of my guys evolved and how that kind of mechanic worked mm-hmm. um so you you deal with the main instigating event in the plot it, if anyone gets it i don't want to ruin most of this because all the dialogue is just fantastic
1: okay we'll just set it up generally speaking here in the beginning of the game do you choose from like three nexamon to be your starter you choose from like eight nexamon okay and then you you battle
0: it out and you kind of get the tutorial from a like in from a guy basically mm-hmm. and then they said hey go back to the orphanage talk to the professor who doesn't give a shit about you at all he sounds just, like professor oak yeah he does he's just a grumpier like Alcoholic oh. Professor Oak. Okay, and then you're kind of off on your journey. You go to the first town and you get your first badge. Which it's not like a gym system. It's like a bronze, silver, gold badge. Oh, I like the trophy setup. Yeah, and then maybe platinum. I don't know mm. if you finish all the badges. Um, and then you you you're sent off on your first task. You're kind of employed by this guild that kind of runs the Nexamon.
1: Okay, and so just for the, the sake of the listeners, it does look like it's a 2D setup, so more reminiscent of the older school Pokemon games as opposed to the 3D versions we're used to nowadays. Uh, what I'm most curious about is how is the music in this game? I haven't really noticed.
0: Damn it, Ryan. I, I'm, I noticed when I got Hades, the music is a fantastic. Okay. But for this one, I was just grinding away, catching some Nexamon.
1: Okay, now what I, the listeners really care about Are there shiny renditions of the Nexomon? Yes. No way. So it's a 1 in 4,000
0: chance. Oh, fuck. I'm not going to be stupid about this. I I was about Ruby, but um, the thing that's cool, not that I've looked into it at all. Mm, Of course not. um, As you progress, so the shiny odds in Ruby version are always, I think, 1 in 8,000 or whatever it is. And then at the end of the game, when you complete the entire Pokedex, it's get the shiny charm, and I think it's divided by three or two or whatever. For this one, it's one in 4,000, and then as you progress, say you get your... It's one in 4,000 for the bronze badge. You go midway through the game, you get a silver badge or whatever, and it's one in 3,500. Get the gold badge, it's one in 3,000. Don't worry, I'm following. Yep. Okay, yeah, fractions and numbers and too many hours catching shinies. (laughs) Yikes. But, no, I, I think the main draw of this is... If you thought uh, sword and shield were too easy or the story was lacking or the characters were dull as shit
1: D all of the above
0: yeah all of them really this is kind of a back to form and just makes fun of the genre
1: That's amazing and I love the self-awareness of it so
0: it, it breaks the fourth wall and it just the addressing the absurdity of like people trainers in the routes, I think the first trainer you run into, It's like, hey, you have an Enexomon? I have an examon. If you beat me, you owe me money. And, like, the Coco, (laughs) who's sitting there, it just has, like, one of the anime expressions, like, the fuck? he's like, how does that make any sense? Like, what? If I beat you, you pay me. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, what are you talking about? And then it just, all the dialogue is so well thought out. And it's just, you will literally, I LOL'd, just non-stop for like two hours.
1: Well, I wonder what Blink and You'll Miss It game is going to get your vote this year. Oh, this... uh, I don't know. Yeah. Wow, this is really fascinating. I, um, I
0: will definitely give you guys the Switch version. Yeah. To borrow, so you got I, physical copies of these games. I bought, I bought the digital version of the PS4. Okay. It's just so I could play it, and yeah. then I bought the physical copy for the Switch. So if you or Lauren wanted to borrow it. Wow. I
1: yeah. I, it's definitely it worth playing because
0: being a Pokemon fan. It's just a satire on the genre.
1: So it's called Nexamon... I think Extinction? Yeah, Nexamon Extinction. Yeah. But it looks like there was a 2017 game too. Was this like a mobile exclusive? I think this is... I don't know. So Nexamon came out in 2017. I think Extinction's the
0: new release on the Switch.
1: Yeah, so Nexamon came out in 2017 by Lime Turtle developer, uh, published also by Lime Turtle Incorporated. Um... Gosh, there's so many of these carbon copy Pokemon games, but it sounds oh, like Nexamon. There's going to be a... Um, that's the
0: MMO, but... Yeah, that's early access on PS4 and
1: 5, or I think all systems really, December 12th. Yeah, so it looks like Nexamon, there was a game in 2017 exclusively to um, mobile... And PC and Mac devices. And then this is the first one that's gotten a console version uh, across the board. So this got this on Switch, PS4, Xbox One, um, as well as PC and Mac. So interesting stuff. Yeah, people definitely look into yeah, Nexamon David sent me an IM
0: at work and he's like, hey, have you ever heard of Nexamon? I was like, no, that sounds I Ridiculous. Mean, like a really bad ripoff. And he's like, well, it's actually on the top charts for like RPGs for like this generation for like i think the switch mm. um and i was like oh i've never heard of that and i started looking into it and the reviews are just basically it's hilarious yeah um so yeah worth looking into
1: awesome yeah i'm definitely gonna check it out it looks really uh interesting and definitely up my alley and then um, i
0: guess on top of that i also got hades ooh. just to prepare um to see what all the rage was about for the game of the year discussions because i've only heard good things Um, I think the main reason why I wasn't getting it because it's a roguelike. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just discouraging. I think... I mean, Dead Cells was amazing. It got great reviews. um, Great style. And I think this one kind of reiterates the very stylistic, good music. I mean, it's the full package, but Dead Cells, each run was like an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know. It's just... It's hard putting an hour into a game and then having it just, you lose everything. Like, it's just depressing. And I'm like, I maybe did 10 runs and I'm like, I've gained nothing except for maybe a potential starting weapon that's one rarity higher. Yeah. So nothing really good. And then so I'm like, what makes Hades an indie game, game of the year material? So I got it. Each run potentially takes like 15 to 30 minutes. Oh, nice. So you're not losing much, but it, it's really the characters, um, their dialogue, how it's... The story spread out. I mean, once you... The main premise is, you're the son of Hades. You don't want to be there. You're kind of looking for... I don't know. You just want to escape the surface. Yeah. And the the entire premise is you just going through the levels of hell to get to the surface. Um. But throughout your progression, you get to meet different gods because being being the son of Hades, you obviously have other relatives that are up in Olympus. So you get help from like Zeus and all the whole cast of characters. Um, And then as you get to know those characters, you can kind of change how your runs are played. Okay. Um, Music's fantastic. Gameplay's awesome i've beaten it once but i think to get to the full story you have to beat it 10 times
1: gotcha um yeah
0: it's really good
1: well that's good to hear i mean again you mentioned dead cells and that game was a little um off-putting for me it just seemed like too steep of a learning curve and again the whole roguelike system uh is a little intimidating for me and i think it is for a lot of people but it sounds like Hades kind of streamless, streamlines it a little it bit, but still retains the rogue like. Um... I've heard it called like a rogue light. Okay, yeah. Um, but it's
0: Dead Cells was hey, get a new weapon. I mean, I mean, it's swords, arrows, guns. This one's like oh, hey, you went through a door and you talked to Zeus. Now, if you dash, lightning comes down from the sky and destroys anything that's where you previously were at. Interesting. Like okay. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or hey, talk to Hermes and you get an extra dash, or talk to Goddess of the Hunt and your arrows, are, depending on your the, I think six weapons mm-hmm. that you can choose from. If you're bow and arrow, your arrows do X amount of damage, or you can do triple shot or some like stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, I also like Greek mythology, so oh, absolutely. That, that's why it was. It was really good.
1: Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it, and I, you know, we'll get to it here at the Game Awards. But I hope it gets some recognition and it kind of um, takes steals a little bit of the thunder of some of these, you know, more notable AAA blockbuster games like Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima. Just because you love seeing um, smaller indie games like this be successful, but yeah. also get the praise and recognition they deserve, because these teams um, are smaller in uh, volume of people, but are working probably just as tirelessly to make a great game
0: so well, i mean if Sekiro can get game of the year which is a i mean it's a niche market of people who can beat it and i don't want to say from soft is a smaller developer but they're not triple a like the ea's or
1: naughty dogs yeah, Activisions or
0: divisions and stuff like yeah. that so yeah no, i agree it gives them hope awesome what about well, you what have you played
1: yeah, I've been a little all over the place here. Uh, I think after the PS5 came out, you know, I played um, Astro's Playroom like a crazy person. I played Miles Morales and beat that. I uh, played a little bit of Bug Snacks, and then I was kind of just a little burnt out because I played so much of those games within a week period. Yeah. Uh, I put Demon's Souls. I want to say on the back burner, but I literally haven't even played it yet. I installed it on the PS5, and I'm just kind of waiting to be in that mindset. Maybe, as we'll get to, if a FromSoft game is teased at the Game Awards, that'll kind of get me hyped to go back to something like Demon's Souls. So, um, definitely excited to eventually play it. But after beating Miles, I just wanted to play a podcast game. Okay. And I was still in the Spider-Man mood. So, I, um, I've been playing a lot of Spider-Man Remastered, and... You know, it'll be really interesting, you know, now that I have my PC up and running, I want to get back on Twitch, and I talked about one of the first streams I want to do is really twofold, one of which is um, updating my backloggery account with my game collection because I haven't updated my backloggery in, like, four or five years. And I think I literally think the last update I made was when I platinumed ukulele. Uh, which, what a great way to cap off my time yeah. on backloggery. Um, but the second stream I want to eventually do is is going back and revisiting my games of the decade list you and i did that um or we did games of the generation or however we labeled it um but i think our cutoff was like the 2010 to, th- to end of 2019 time frame and so i want to revisit that list on stream just because i think it'd be fun to kind of share my memories with people live but also just to kind of have that back and forth with an audience of people outside of just you because you would be there too but just to help formulate my list because even since then i have played games like journey and i think that would easily make its way into my top 10 games of the decade but all of that to say coming back to spider-man remastered i don't think having played miles morales that game would make my top 10 games of the decade and it's tough because like you try and put yourself in a position where you don't use miles as a basis of comparison because it's the game that's come since Spider-Man, you know, remat or Spider-Man 2018. Um, and just trying to put myself back in the shoes of when I played that game for the first time, but playing it again, man, that game is just bogged down with so many extra things. And it's not to say that they're bad things because they're actually really fun. It's fun to go back and take pictures of all of the, the monuments. It's fun to collect the backpacks, mm-hmm. uh, in All the other extra collectibles they have in the game, but I kind of forgot having played Maz Morales recently is that in each district you have thug crimes and you have regular crimes. So you have 10 total crimes that you have to. um, I think it's like 15 after the
0: armored dudes come.
1: Yeah, so there's like 15 different crimes by the end of the game that you have to do for each district. One of my least favorite parts of that game is the Harry Osborne research lab type things where. But
0: that's really only if you want to platinum the game. Like I think the story can be streamlined. Like you don't have to do all that side shit. Why well, no? But wrong. you're
1: talking to someone who is like a 3D collectathon platformer yeah. lover. So like for me to see all of these different icons on the map that I feel a sense of obligation to clear when I'm playing, I think you're right. When you look at just the story and the dynamic between MJ and Peter and introducing Miles Morales and his father, like all of those character, all the character development between all of them, I still think is brilliant. And if you look at the story on its own merits, certainly makes its way and has an arguing case to make it into my top 10 games of the decade. But when you f- bring in all of the additional gameplay loops that they introduced in that game, it just seems a little bloated to me okay. Um, because Miles still has collectibles. It still has that sense of like, there's the story, but we also have this side stuff that's just as meaningful to me as the game player, uh, but it just respects your time more. And I feel like going to the Doc Ock lab and doing all of these pipe dream puzzles and things like that mm-hmm. and the litness litness test puzzles and things like that, it just really slows down the story to me yeah. where Miles was just a quick clip, man. It was like, buckle up, man, because we're not stopping until the credits roll. And I still thought they told a great story, even if maybe it doesn't quite compare to Spider-Man Remaster or Spider-Man 2018. Um, so it'll be fun to kind of go back. You know, I'm, I'm about... Forty percent through the game, and that's including doing all of the oh, okay. collectible stuff. So maybe mainline story I think I'm you a little bit. Platinumed it, though. Further than that. I did, but you can platinum again on the remaster. Um, okay. So I'm just kind of.
0: <laughs> I don't feel bad for you at all.
1: Well, no, it's not. A, it's not a matter of feeling bad. Like I'm not saying like, yeah. "Woe is me." I'm just trying to say like, in the greater uh, conversation of games of the decade, I'm not sure if it holds up as well for me having played something like Miles. Yeah, I got you. Uh, Just because there is... Like, you don't notice, like, when you first played Spider-Man 2018, you and I were praising it because it's, like, it's not like Assassin's Creed where all of this stuff is just littered across the map at once. Once you do your little uh, vision thing when you climb a tower or the eagle vision or whatever, Mm -hmm. the Spider-Man 2018, over the course of the game, pumps these different collectibles out and these new crime things that you have to clear and warehouses that you have to fight. Um, So it feels like a a natural, seamless sense of progression, but going through it again, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to collect all of that one dude's birds again, and I have to... Oh, fuck the birds. ...collect 55 backpacks, and it's just... I I thought the
0: backpacks were interesting. My favorite were the taking the pictures, though. Oh, yeah. It's where you could jump, you're slowly falling to your death, grab something midair, and then, like, swing off.
1: Yeah. No, it, it... It's. Yeah. I, I'm probably sounding very critical, and I'm sure people are listening to this probably thinking like, "What are you talking about, Rusty? Spider Man is amazing. It's one of the. It is one of the best games of certainly the PlayStation 4 Xbox generation." And I agree with you in that sense. But when I'm talking about the top ten games of the decade, we're talking about the Final Fantasy Thirteens, Bloodborne, Dark yeah. Souls, Elder Scrolls Six, you know, Zelda's, and there's just so many other games that could compete for. One of those ten spots that I don't know if Spider-Man 2018 would slip in.
0: Yeah, no, it's a solid one out of ten. Yeah,
1: maybe two. Maybe <laughs> Dude, two. Don't don't. You're, you're giving.
0: You're elevating it too much. <laughs> okay,
1: uh, but yeah, no. I've been enjoying my time. Certainly, as a podcast game, it's definitely um, in 60 frames plays so so well. Yeah, I can never go back. So, have
0: you noticed the difference visually between the two? Is I think remastered significantly worse off, or
1: comparing to Miles?
0: Um, like a lot of difference?
1: I'm not sure I'm seeing a significant difference. Again, it's one of those things like you're splitting hairs, playing Ghost of Tsushima on 4 versus PS5. I, I couldn't tell. Okay. I, you know, I wasn't like wow, this looks so much more impressive. I, I think it-
0: it's more the frame rate that's probably like It's definitely the smooth.
1: frame rate. I think one of the most jarring things is Peter Parker. Um, his, yeah. new, his new character design. It's really hard to buy into him. Um, having been Spider-Man for a number of years at this point, his relationship with MJ, I mean, MJ looks like she's probably in her late 20s and Peter Parker looks like he's 14. I was good, yeah. It just doesn't look normal. I mean, again, you're you're in the Spider-Man outfit far more than you're in the Peter Parker in Doc Ock lab or at the uh, the homeless shelter helping with Aunt May. So it's not that big of a deal, but when it happens, it's like, yikes, that just doesn't look right. Okay, so in
0: the remastered, he looks the same as Miles. Is that correct? Uh, well, Miles looks a little bit younger. He, Peter Parker in Miles Morales, because that's the one I've played or seen mm-hmm. the new Peter, mm-hmm. is the same one that they use in the remastered Spider-Man. That's correct. It, okay. yeah. Okay, I got so you.
1: unless you're playing the original PS4 version of Spider-Man, um, he looks different in these new ones. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. So... Um, Yeah, I'm curious what other people think about it. But for me, I just think it's jarring and I can't really wrap my head around it. Um, Is it game breaking? Absolutely not. Because if anything, you're getting, you could skip cinematics and get through those Peter Parker segments of the game super
0: quickly. In in my original playthrough, I had like the skeleton one where I was like a flaming skull in like the romantic MJ scenes. Yeah.
1: So I was like wow, is <laughs> putting up with me in my devil costume. <laughs> yeah, so it's really not that big of a deal, but yeah. it definitely, it's noticeable, I okay. guess is what I would say. Um, but outside of that, I did go back to a game that, uh, I think that last episode I talked about, coming away from Astro's playroom, it was difficult for me to play something like Sackboy, A Big Adventure, just because the pacing was so different. Um, but having been a little bit removed from Astro's, picking up Sackboy has just been such a delight. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it is just such a terrific, charming, slower paced platformer. Um, that is just so damn cute. Oh my gosh, Sackboy, I've never played a Little Big Planet game prior to this, but um, the yeah, best way like I can it. compare it is um, from a gameplay standpoint, It's kind of mixes the best of both worlds between Mario 3D World on the Wii U and Yoshi's Crafted World on the Switch um yoshi's crafted world in the sense that you obviously unlock that game's form of currency and then you can go to a little market uh they call it your wardrobe and you can buy and mix and match all of these adorable little outfits for sack boy then the best of both worlds for 3d uh, mario 3d world in the sense that the platforming is really great the soundtrack is incredible i mean when i was playing it i was hearing subtle nods to almost like some of the pieces of music almost sound composed by David Wise. Like it sounded like something that he would compose for Donkey wow. Kong Country. But then other segments were, were more zany, bombastic, crazy, weird um, songs that you would hear, like in the Rayman Origins Legends so, levels. So it's not like Crafted World where it's all kind of a spin off of the same
0: song. Because it all, yeah. all sounded like some. Yeah, it does not sound like a fifth grader
1: blowing on a recorder for four yeah, and a half hours. Okay, cool. It definitely doesn't sound like that at all. Um, and that's why I said it mixes the best of both worlds between 3D World and Yoshi's Crafted World yeah
0: because the video you sent me
1: was uh, what's his face that really short singer guy yeah Bruno Mars so like um, it was teased for me because um, Blink talked about it in the Polykill podcast episode Um, and when he talked about it, I was expecting it to be like the final level, like to cap off an already gridded game, but it was actually like in the first world, maybe the fifth or sixth level, um, you kind of get raised on this elevator and you kind of hear subtly in the background, Bruno Mars, Uptown Funk, which was just so ridiculous and crazy. But the wild thing is that it actually worked. Mm -hmm. And so if Sackboy stands idle for a little bit and you allow the controller just to sit there he'll start kind of dancing and so he was kind of doing these disco moves and stuff like that and then you walk into the level you get spit out by this little flower into the main level you kind of fall down this platform and then the song starts playing all of the background objects start like basically moving to the base of the song and then even the kind of animated characters are like singing along and everything it
0: really reminded me of the opening of guardians of the galaxy 2 where it's just groot dancing where everything all the chaos
1: in the background yeah
0: yeah it's really neat
1: and from what i hear that's not the only licensed song that's um so how many worlds are there Uh, There's like five or six-ish, I think. And so how it's kind of structured is uh, similar to Yoshi's Crafted World where you kind of have a main hub and then you get sucked into an actual level. You go into the level and there's like anywhere from three to five of these blue little orbs which basically just act as coins or stars in a Mario level, if you will. And you need a certain number of those orbs to progress to the boss at the end of the world. Uh, and then you take this little rocket ship to get to the next uh, main world. Okay, how far are you? Uh, I just finished the first world, so I'm not super, super far. Okay. Um, but again, when I played it originally, uh, when I first got the PlayStation 5, I only played like maybe two or three levels. And so I'm kind of feeling like it's one of those things where um, maybe I play something a little bit more intense, like the game I'm going to get to here shortly, and then I'll pop in Sackboy and play, I don't know, three to four levels, and then get back out and... Um, uh, it's just such a great little platformer and definitely, um, you know, it'll be interesting because I feel like this has the the opportunity to be this generation's Banjo-Kazooie because not really? much could have compared with Mario 64 at the time, but there were also so many other random like little 3D platformers like Donkey Kong 64 or Conker's Bad Fur Day or Chameleon Twist or all these other random 3D platformers that really... I don't want to say they couldn't compete with Mario 64, but when you think, what's the best game on the N64, most people go to Ocarina of Time or Mario 64. Yeah. But people oftentimes have more nostalgia for something like um, Banjo-Kazooie. And I feel like Astro's Playroom at this launch is kind of like the Mario 64. Yeah. But then a lot of kids, hopefully, like it just excites me like 15, 20 years from now, p- kids are looking back that are, my age now 27 or whatever to say like oh yeah astro is great but did you play sack boys at big adventure
0: That's, it's so weird to think because we were at the start of like the generations of consoles just in general yeah and we're like oh yeah the classics which are the classics for like the entire industry as a whole
1: yeah like mario zelda and metroid it's weird to
0: think that there's a generation now that their classics or their equivalent to Mario 64 is going to be fucking PlayStation five. Yeah. (laughs) Or like, Oh dude, remember the ancient shit from like PS two? It's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. That's my childhood. Yeah.
1: It's really weird to think about, but I was really weird as I was playing sack boy. I was kind of like thinking, gosh, it's going to be so interesting. You know, maybe Lauren and Mike, you know, our kids are going to look back and, and sack boy is going to be their banjo Kazooie. Yeah, do you remember when we didn't have those chips in our head that we can just see everything virtually, <laughs> and our world is the game? Like what? Like, now, Dad, do you remember a- when they had a cord to control her? Yeah, how prehistoric is that? Remember when Dad didn't have to plug a cord in my head to go to school every day? <laughs> yeah, he couldn't just download information into <laughs> me. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a weird world the future is going to be. Yeah, but um, is really good, and definitely I think it's it complements the launch of the PS Five really well for people that. You know, I think most people, they buy the PS5, and Demon's Souls and Miles Morales are the two games most people are purchasing. Yeah. I think, you know, leading up to games like Ratchet and Clank or God of War or Horizon 2 next year, or even Cana Bridges of Spirits, I think Sackboy is a really nice placeholder game to kind of tie you over until then. So, if you haven't gotten Sackboy... Um, whether you have a PlayStation 4 or 5, I think, uh, while I can't speak for the PS4 version, uh, PS5, it plays really, really well, and I'm sure for 4, it plays comparably well. So, definitely a fun little 3D platformer. And, uh, the last two games, I'll leave this one for last, and I'll, shout to the Colossus I went back to, actually. You know, you and I, I don't think we get a chance to talk about it, just because, um, we we took a break from recording for so long. Um, But, Good friend of the show, um, Blink, actually gifted uh, other friend of the show, Nolan, uh, two games. He yep. gifted him Shadow of the Colossus and The Last Guardian to um, as a little wedding gift. And so Nolan was streaming Shadow of the Colossus yesterday, and it was such a good time to watch him um because each Colossus is like a puzzle. That yeah. You have to try and solve where are its vulnerabilities and how am I gonna actually scale this Colossus to defeat it. And so it was so and Nolan did an amazing job, um, just kinda quickly figuring out its vulnerability and how to scale it, and he was just really steamrolling the game. But um I watched him Did he get farther
0: out than us in our attempt?
1: Yeah, so he he defeated the first seven on oh, his shit. stream, but I only watched him defeat the first five because those are the only five that I'd beaten at yeah. that point. And so, um, last night, um, after, you know, Aiden left helping me build the PC, I ended up defeating, uh, the 6th and 7th Colossus. Oh, cool. And that game is just stunning, you know? I mean, Blue Point Games has done such an amazing job remaking it. It's tough for me, though, to look back on the original, I think it came out in like 2005 on the PS2, and seeing how far it's come, because I look at this game and it's like, wow the sense of scale and draw distances and just the world itself looks so beautiful. I can't imagine what this would have looked like back in 2005 when there really wasn't a whole lot to compare for that grand of a world, yeah. that open of a world. Uh, you know, the Grand Theft Auto 3s and stuff like that, but uh, this is just a different type of open world. Um, and so I'm really enjoying my time going back to it, at least those two Colossi, and I'm looking forward to, um, as no one's playing it kind of you know getting through it kind of at the same pace as he is because i don't want to get too far ahead but i also want to be far enough ahead that i can watch his streams and yeah. see his reactions to it
0: yeah i tried going back i don't know maybe a couple weeks ago and i think i killed three or four um but i just i tried to get to this one boss i think it's the the one where we had to jump on like the chains and climb up it mm. in the graveyard like that skeleton horse thing yeah um I just couldn't find the area. Like he kept pointing me one way and I went down every path except apparently the right one. And I really wanted to do the flying guy after him. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um but after I think 35 minutes of me sucking at directions, I ended up just quitting. No, but I mean it's, it, it's it's a great game. It's it's beautiful.
1: It's a great game. I don't want to say it shows its age necessarily because it it controls the controls can be frustrating and a little complicated. Definitely tough to wrap your head around. And even just navigating the world when you hold up your, your sword, when you're riding on, um, Mackerel, Mackerel! Yeah. <laughs> when he's like screaming his, what is his name? I almost city um, pona. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it could be tough to figure out like where you're actually supposed to go because mm-hmm. it might be pointing this way, but that just means like beelining it that yeah, direction. Yeah, you have to get
0: over like a bridge and on the other side. But there
1: could be like a mountain then you have to go out of your way to get around, yeah. you know, it's not an actual way meter all the way. Um, so that can be a little frustrating, but at the same time, you wouldn't want it, you wouldn't have wanted, like if I had the nostalgia playing this game back in 2005 for Bluepoint to change that Yeah, because then that just kind of streamlines the experience too much, you know? And I think it's a testament to the game design back in 2005 versus now. And it's like, no, just keep it for all of its glory the same way.
0: I I mean, it was just that world's so beautiful that. Going to your main hub, getting, hey, the next Colossi is this, and then riding out on your journey to fight this Goliath of a monster. Yeah. yeah. I think the the trek out there is half the fun.
1: Absolutely. So. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to playing more. I will probably actually do that later tonight. Nice. Uh, the final game I've been playing, I saw this on sale uh, during Black Friday week. It was the arcane studios collection so it included dishonored dishonored 2 um death of the outsider which is kind of like dishonored two and a half i think uh prey and i think that's it the collection's over there but anyways it's a 60 dollars package of games that was 20 bucks oh shit um and so It's an opportunity for me to give you, potentially, some of the Dishonored games, since this collection has all of them, um, but also play Prey, which I hadn't um, played this past generation. It's always been on my radar. Uh, One of the main inspirations for me ever creating a YouTube channel, TV and Lust. He spoke very highly of it, and I, of course, loved the first-person shooter mechanics of Dishonored. So I figured that translated into almost a alien, dead space-type ambient feel of something like Prey would be probably interesting to see. And the best way I could describe Prey is it feels like if um, Ken Levine or Ken Levine, the main creator of Bioshock, got together with like Ridley Scott to make a video game, you'd have the inspiration of the Alien movies and then also Ken Levine for Bioshock and then bringing those two things together to make Prey. Because basically, in the beginning of the game, you're playing as either a male or a female, and you're kind of in this test facility in a future kind of dystopian type world. Um, space travel is kind of like flying a plane basically to go to New Mexico or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just just as frequent, just as normal to do space travel as it is to fly in a plane type of thing. Yeah. And so, you agree to go to space uh, with your kind of team of people, and then... All of a sudden you wake up and hell has completely broken loose. There's been this alien outbreak and now you're kind of reading emails and video messages and audio recordings to try and figure out how your entire station has basically um, been overrun by this weird mutated alien race. And it's super creepy. Uh, I've only played like maybe the first hour and a half or so. I'm not super far. Uh, The gunplay definitely reminiscent of Dishonored since Arcane Studios definitely developed it. Um, But I don't feel a sense of like... I don't know. I'm not getting the same feels that I kind of wanted from a Bioshock type game. um, Because the weapon... Uh, The weapons that you have just definitely aren't very reminiscent of Fioshock. They're just kind of like these weird futuristic weapons that I haven't really gotten a good hold of yet. But I'm sure once I get um, a better feel for the weapons and certainly the alien race that I'm I'm, uh, fighting, it'll be more fun. But right now, I'm still trying to, I guess, learn the ropes of the game. Okay, cool. But I'm enjoying it. It's definitely uh, has you on the edge of your seat. Pretty creepy. Definitely gives you some serious Dead Space Alien type vibes. But yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. So I'm sure on the weeks to come, I'll have more impressions of it. But enough about the games we've been playing recently, Ryan. Let's get into the main topic of the show, which is the 2020 Game Awards. But before we do that, I do want to briefly bring up that we, as I, I think we briefly talked about in the last episode of the podcast... I think we're going to make it an annual tradition to do the Otaku Brothers Community Game of the Year Awards. Yeah. And so, behind the scenes, we were kind of figuring what makes the most sense where we can have a Community Game of the Year Awards segment of the show, uh, because every year we talk about our favorite games of the year, but also get the community involved where it's not this exhaustive list of awards, kind of like the Game Awards, um, where people can submit their uh, choices for Games of the Awards for unique categories of our own creation, and then we could read hopefully everyone's uh, submissions on that episode of the show to make it just one gargantuan game of the year episode where as we're going down our top 10 games of the year uh, maybe between games you know we introduce okay so Dean says this or Blink says that or Frantic says that um, and we can read those lists off so what we, what I ended up doing is kind of using this um, I forget the actual survey site, but I found one that uh, looked appealing was relatively affordable and and I constructed the survey and I threw it up on our Discord and I shared it on Twitter, of course, too. So, I mean, I want as many people to submit their choices as possible. Even if you're not a regular listener, for are talking about their, share share with a friend. I just want to continue to um, have a great community of people that just share a mutual love of video games. And I think 2020, as wild and chaotic of a year as it was, video games definitely dis- didn't disappoint. And so the five categories that we kind of came up with with Uh, were comfort food game of 2020 so this is just a game that brought you a sense of peace you know a sense of serenity if you will uh, that you kind of continually to retreat to uh, and just enjoy Uh, slapping ost of 2020 so as the name would imply here just the best soundtrack of the year blink and you'll miss it game of 2020 this is kind of a play on a good friend of the show nolan he was regularly streaming uh, and still does uh, roller coaster tycoon and he kind of revolved his entire theme park around good friend of the show blinkoom and yeah. so he kind of named all the the rides uh kind of a play on words of blink one of them or at the name of his theme park i think was blink and you'll miss it so i got his blessing to move forward with that award and this is kind of just the hidden gem under the radar game that a lot of people probably will end up overlooking sounds like Nexamon is a great candidate for that yeah, who, award who knows it could be yeah. <laughs> Uh, prior year game of the year so this is just any game that came out prior to 2020 maybe you played it for the first time this year maybe you went back to it and just thoroughly loved and enjoyed it what is that game for you and then of course just your 2020 game of the year uh the game that did come out this year that is at the top of your list and so with the prior four uh awards Certainly, the prior year game of the year, we'd, we'd want it to be a game that didn't come out in 2020. The other ones, I thought, like, yeah, maybe it makes the most sense that they're all 2020 games, but... There's really no restrictions on this. It's not like I have a database that this is pulling from where if you put The Witcher 3 as your slapping OST game, it's not going to allow it because that game came out in 2015 or whatever. You know? Yeah, so, we'll just
0: ban you from Discord.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll ban you. We'll never talk to you again. And you'll actually not, uh, you'll no longer have access to the podcast feed. Um, so that's a little bit disappointing, but hey, you went out with a bang. So it's Yeah, the, I mean, choose wisely. Yeah, exactly um but yes there's no real restrictions would it be great if they were 2020 games sure but there's really no um rules to this game of the year uh community game of the year awards thing so the idea is that ryan and i will you know build upon this in subsequent years maybe we'll add one to two additional awards every year and then maybe we'll have community specific awards like um you active member in the discord or best podcast best community podcast of the year we obviously wouldn't be in the running in that instance we just have you know we have young nostalgia nolan's podcast we have indie quest with Blinkoom and frantic frantic has his own individual podcast frantic society blink is on polykill we have a whole assortment of community podcasts so we could potentially do that moving forward but we wanted to kind of remain you know stupid simple this year Have five that people could probably get behind, and I'm definitely looking forward to reading those live on episode 100 of the show in just a few weeks. So you have until December 31st at 12 a.m. That's kind of the penciled-in deadline. I mean, Ryan and I are planning on recording the 100th episode probably on... Maybe New Year's Day, since we'll probably both be off work. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have any kind of time restriction on the survey, just because I didn't want to risk like 12.31 at 12 a.m. All the results just disappear. Yeah. So it's still just kind of open. So even if you get in at the 11th hour before Ryan and I record, you're still going to be good to go. But uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to hearing and reading everyone's Favorite games of the year based on those five questions. Again, you can access that survey on your mobile phone, your tablet, your web browser, whatever it is. The link is in the Discord. You can also go to otaku underscore bros underscore pod on Twitter, and I have it pinned to our Twitter account there as well. So definitely get in on the discussion. Submit your choices before 1231. But with that, Ryan, why don't we get into the game awards our predictions based on the nominees that they currently have up on their site i think there's two different pieces to this there's the people's choice awards and then there's the actual game awards that uh i think a jury probably people in the industry get to vote and based on those votes that's what actually gets announced as the broader winner yeah um and so with all of that being said i have both the website up I have Game of the Year um, prior year winners, too, just as a basis of comparison to see what's won in years past, and is that going to in any way influence what might potentially come in as Game of the Year uh, for 2020? But I think we should just maybe do this bottom up. I picked 10 of the many, many award categories for you and I to go through, just because I don't think we're qualified to speak on esports or best continuous game or mobile game or things like that. No, not to any intelligent
0: level because I was just picking people who had cool names.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I hope Alana Pierce wins uh, whatever it is—biggest influencer, biggest content creator of the year—just because um, one, I love her play, watch, which listen podcast. One of my I cannot miss an episode podcast right now uh, with Mike Bithell, video game developer. Austin Winnery uh, video game composer. Troy Baker, of course, video game uh, voice actor. And then Alana Pierce is now a video game writer working for Santa Monica Studios. So um, she's been doing just a lot of great things on Twitch, her YouTube channel, and that podcast. So hopefully she wins. I couldn't really tell you anything about the other people, though. So probably uh, a little biased in that regard. But the 10 awards that Ryan and I want to talk about that I think we can somewhat speak intelligently to are best family game, best role-playing game, Best Action Adventure, Best Performance, Best Audio Design, Best Score and Music, Best Art Direction, Best Narrative, Best Game Direction, and the 2020 Game of the Year. And then at the tail end, we will go through some of our predictions. But Ryan, let's kick things off. The bottom of this list here is Best Family Game. And I will go ahead and get to the nominees for this and what i'm gonna do too is i'm gonna write down um of course i have all of the games that i want to win i kind of split it into two different things so the games that i want to win and that i voted for and then just based on you know the history of watching the game of the year awards um or the game awards what will probably end up winning Um, But I want to tally what you voted for, too, just so that when we come next week to record the episode and we react to the Game Awards, we have um, kind of a history of what you and I voted for. I think it'd be fun to play a little game in that regard. So, best family game, Ryan. We have Animal Crossing New Horizons, Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit minecraft dungeons and paper mario the origami king again best family game is for the best game appropriate for family play irrespective of genre or platform what do you think is going to take this one
0: By or the peoples or for do we want to do just both at once
1: yeah so like i mean i'm probably only (laughs) gonna log the one that you want to win um, not necessarily the one that you think think should win or is gonna win um just because that'd be a little dicey a little complicated here so
0: i i think for both it's gonna be animal crossing i agree completely um the the game launched at such a pivotal point in the year where covid was kind of taken off um fall guys and what was the other one the other big one indie game that took off Mm. uh, where you kill people and they turn into chicken legs
1: you're talking about Among Us? Yeah, Among Us. That's not on this list. Oh, I must be thinking of another uh, one. It is definitely nominated for a few awards. But again, the weird thing with that is that it didn't come out this year. It just got popular this year. Ah, uh, okay. So, um, even though it was still nominated yeah, for Yeah, I think a that's on the indie one. But,
0: yeah, I, I think Fall Guys is another popular one. But as far as family goes, Animal Crossing was just sold out everywhere because everyone was just trying to... Create their village.
1: Well, I think Fall Guys had that appeal for like a month, and I think people are still continuing to play it. I think season two, if it hasn't come out already, it's probably right around the corner. Whereas Animal Crossing, as history tells us, they they have seasons. So yeah. you know, in the summer they released you know the ability to go swimming and new fish, and then in the fall you had Halloween, so you could decorate your town with all kinds of fun decorations and costumes. And then now as winter approaches, you probably have. I would assume snow and all kinds of fun Christmassy type stuff. Um, So that ongoing continuous pumping out of new content, I think has continued to keep people um, playing Animal Crossing. But then also, I mean, you're right. I mean, during the pandemic, what better way? I think this will probably end up being a lot of people's comfort food game of 2020 because for me personally, and the same thing happened when New Leaf came out on 3DS, while it seems like a lifetime ago that New Horizons came out back in March... It was like its own little place in time of 2020 where you were just in your little town waiting way too long for people to come visit your island with friends and just building your little island to be the best little escape that you wanted it to be. Um, And decorating your home and getting all the fun new little uh, video games that I did and then using the QR codes to decorate your walls with actually like real life type designs. Um, It was so good and I loved it. I spent over 100 hours with it. And in terms of getting the whole family involved, I just don't see any other game on this list that really would do that. I mean, certainly not Paper Mario. No. Um, not Dungeons either. Crash Bandicoot, no. Mario Kart Live, like, I haven't heard people talking about that, but I feel like that's probably a really big thing for kids, you know, yeah. that would probably really enjoy setting up Mario Kart around your home. But I mean, Animal Crossing just has that universal appeal that I just don't see any of these games beating it. No, I completely agree. All right, well, I think we can both agree then. Animal Crossing takes it for best family. Moving forward, we have best role-playing. So this award is given to the game for the best game designed with rich player character customization and progression, including massively multiplayer experiences. Um, Where did you come in on this one? Oh, hold on. Let's go through the nominees. I'm sorry, I spoke too soon. We have Final Fantasy VII Remake, Genshin Impact, Persona 5 Royal, Wasteland 3, and Yakuza Like a Dragon. This one was, I mean,
0: you have Final Fantasy on there, which is one of the biggest RPGs ever. Um, For me, it was between Genshin Impact, um, which kind of really within a week took off from its launch point. Yeah, for sure. Um, Recouping $100 million of its development in a week is insane. Um, I don't know. It's a hard choice for me. I think I ended up settling on Genshin Impact over Mm. Final Fantasy. Um, Just because Final Fantasy, it's such a small portion of the story um, within those 30 hours. But Genshin Impact being more of a live service, free-to-play over the course of its life. And I mean, right now it has probably... 20 characters that you can use to explore. Um, so I ended up... I When I was up at Rick's last weekend, we ended up playing Genshin Impact a good amount. Mm. So Yeah, Genshin Impact is probably where okay. I'd fall.
1: I, yeah, yeah I, I don't know about this one. I mean, I think Final Fantasy 7 Remake is the obvious vote here. Yeah, right? I,
0: that's probably what's going to get picked by... I mean, the people voting, not the yeah. people. I think the people might be Genshin and then the kind of board of whomever will do Final Fantasy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right here. I, I selected Final Fantasy Seven Remake just because when you think best role playing, Wasteland 3 and Yakuza Like a Dragon definitely aren't the first games that come to mind, especially no. with Yakuza Like a Dragon that drastically overhauled. It's game design, so previously it was a beat-em-up series, and now they kind of changed it to have this very self-aware character that loves Dragon Quest, and they implement this turn-based combat. I just don't see something like that beating Final Fantasy VII Remake. Would it be cool? Yeah, I'm mean i all for, you know, an underdog um, overhauling the, the favorite here, but I just don't see anyone beating Final Fantasy VII Remake here. No. Maybe Persona 5 Royal, but... I think that's the definitive edition of a game that came out, like, what, a couple years ago at this point? Yeah. Um, now, I guess you could make the same argument that Final Fantasy VII Remake is a remake of a game that came out 23 years ago or whatever. So, um, I don't know. Long and short of it, I think Final Fantasy VII Remake's going to win it here. So, Ryan, you're saying Genshin for the people? Yeah. And then uh, for Final Fantasy VII um, for will the win board. the overall award. Yeah definitely can sympathize and agree with that i think uh, best action adventure is the next one here so this is for the best action adventure game combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving uh i also want to preface this by saying and i think i could probably speak on both ryan and my behalf there's a lot of games here that i and you've done your research and your homework because you've been playing hades a lot of games that are on that are nominated for these awards I never played. Yeah. So once we get higher up into this, it's basically a a ping pong match between Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us. Yeah. Uh, but it is what it is. We'll get there. Definitely curious. You know, opening up the floor for discussion on the Discord uh, for people that either disagree with us or uh, just want to share what you think has the potential to to take some of these awards home. But for best action adventure. The nominees are Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Ghost of Tsushima, Marvel's Spider Man Miles Morales, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Of course, that game released late December of 2019, and The Last of Us Part 2. Ryan, what do you think is going to win here?
0: This is hard for me because what I wanted to win for me personally was Star Wars. Um, it was EA's first attempt on doing anything good with the IP, and we enjoyed that game so much. I I wanted to give it some recognition. I was surprised to see it on the list, because I was like, I'm pretty sure we played that last year. Yeah. But, I think personally that would be my vote. What's probably gonna get it, this is Action Adventure. I I don't know, I don't really see Last of Us Part 2 as Action Adventure. I don't either. It's, No. Um, I'd say Ghost yep. is probably where it's gonna fall. Um, Ori, I don't know. That that's more platformer. I I don't. I see that winning more like music stuff, opposed action-adventure, I don't really see it falling into that category very well.
1: Well, it's weird because I think they also have a category for best action game, which we're not going over today. Um, but where do you draw the line between action, action-adventure? I just, I don't really know. Action I, think... I see more, like, as fighters,
0: but there's a category for fighters as well. Adventure I see, like, Zelda, Link,
1: open-world type stuff. Yeah, well, it's interesting because if, if, if Assassin's Creed is going to be in Assassin's Creed it's action adventure I feel like you could also put that into role playing when Valhalla is not considered a, an action nominee for best action game so like it's just I don't know I don't know how they make the distinction for some of these games maybe if you read the description but if you say um, best action and it says for the best game in the action genre focus primarily on combat well then I think Assassin's Creed Valhalla should get it in there as well as Ghost of Tsushima but Ghost of Tsushima and Valhalla are not up for best action game when the... Is the it's a Last of Us up for action? No. Because it's an award based primarily on combat but then you get into action adventure.
0: So I didn't, I didn't see the combat being... Uh, yeah. I think Ghost. Whatever the definitions of whatever words we're using I think Ghost is the winner of that category. Valhalla... Yeah, it's a little I, messy. I haven't heard good things. Um th- as far as balancing goes, from what I've seen from Valhalla, it it's not crisp at all. Um but I I, I think Ghost. The most
1: Yeah. I mean for me. Quality. I definitely said that uh I think Jedi Fallen Order is my my want, uh because I love the hell out of that game. That was my 2019 game of the year. Uh I think it it's criminal that it wasn't in, in, you know, nominated for anything last year at the Game Awards. I understand that timing is a problem, but I think then maybe we change the system and we move the Game Awards to early February or late January, so you, Get these the types show. of games are a part of that conversation. Because if you're going to include something like Miles Morales or Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Cyberpunk should be a part of the twenty twenty Game of the Year Awards conversation.
0: Yeah, I mean you're only I mean, it's the people who are able to get the new console and which is pretty scarce at this point, and they've had two weeks to play it. So anyone who's voting on that would have had to have I mean, for the people who are voting, like for the award itself, have early releases or gained a PS five.
1: Yeah, I think uh, moving the, the whole Game Awards a month or two would really just benefit some of these games that, again, be, are completely overlooked. Uh, it's just a shame. So, yeah. all of that to say, let's keep moving forward. We just finished up ba- Best Action Adventure. The next one on our list, I think, will be a really interesting conversation, and I'm not really sure how the award ceremony is going to go and acceptance speeches and all that kind of stuff, like... I'm not sure if the person reading the winner um, or maybe the winners are already known and they have these people queued up on Zoom to do their acceptance speeches. I don't know how it's going to work, but I really want to hear the acceptance speech for best performance because the nominees are Ashley Johnson as Ellie in The Last of Us Part 2, Laura Bailey as Abby in The Last of Us Part 2, uh, Daisuke Tsuji as Jin Sakai in Ghost of Tsushima. Logan Cunningham as pretty much every character in Hades, uh, Naji Jeter as Miles Morales, and of course Marvel's uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. And this award obviously goes to uh, an individual for over acting, motion, and/or performance capture. Ryan, where are you at with this one?
0: This one was really hard. Um, I, I think it's going to end on Ellie. Or Abby, mm-hmm, I agree. Um, because The Last of Us, I don't know. I, I didn't... As far as their voice acting, they did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. And just seeing from behind the scenes the amount of physicality that goes into the motion capture of that. I think it would be hard to make a case for the other ones. Um, having played Hades, um, they have a very limited crew because it is an indie game. And the voice performances for all of the gods and characters in that are amazing.
1: And pretty distinct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're all very different. I mean, I think there are 20, 25 gods that mm. are played. And they all have very different characters, very different tempos to the, just the speech patterns. Um, uh, Sakurai? Was that the, the guy from Ghosts? I, I think he did a really good job. So uh, good. Yeah. I've really bought the character Um, it it could be a toss up for any of them I'd be happy with any of them really Um, but I'm going to go with Ellie
1: yeah I also want to recognize um, Najee Jeter as Miles Morales I think he did a terrific job in 2018 Spider-Man Miles Morales I think maybe it's just because of his he's still new to the Spider-Man role in Miles Morales Uh, the kind of guys that kind of funny were kind of complaining sort of, maybe nitpicking is the better word here, about his performance overall uh, being pretty distinct when he was Miles versus Spider-Man. I think in combat, they were arguing that it was just a little too cringy, and I think I would tend to agree. Uh, but overall, I think, you know, when he, he was Miles and he was talking with his mom or his friends, I think it was a really stellar performance, especially for being as young as that kid is who voice acts the character. Um, but when you bump something like that up against an Ashley Johnson as Ellie or a Laura Bailey as Abby. I mean, Personally, I want Laura Bailey to win. Um, I will probably put a... I won't go into any of the story details or story bits, but certainly when we get to the Game of the Year discussion, there's going to be a lot of spoilery stuff that we're going to have to tiptoe around and probably just embrace and put things in the timestamps. But I think it was criminal how... Her character was just vehemently ridiculed on social media, death threats to her family, for (laughs) actions that she did in a fictional game to fictional characters when she had no hands in penning the script to this game.
0: Uh, Yeah, I I think it's insane to me that you would go after anyone. Like, it's a fucking video game. (laughs) Like, all you did was, hey, I put a voice in a character that doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Or like, even... For some of the choices in Marvel villains and things, like or Star Wars, like people went after the Star Wars characters for choices that were drafted by not them.
1: Yeah, I mean Kelly Marie Tran is such a sweetheart, and then for people to just go after her the way they I mean, did for-
0: granted she had a shitty character, but that's not her fault. No, that's the writers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, Abby, I think I liked it, but as far as the, it drops off because of the pacing midway through the game, but like. As far as just purely looking at their performance, they did a great job. It's
1: a testament to her performance that in the beginning of that game, I wanted nothing more than to go in that screen and strangle her to death. And by the (laughs) end, I had such empathy and sympathy for her as a character that I actually preferred and fell more in love with her character and story arc than I did Ellie's. Yeah, Which is huge, and that's saying a lot because we obviously fell in love with Ellie in The Last of Us Part 1, and then in 2, continuing her story for someone like Abby or Laura Bailey's character to come in and for us to really hate her in the beginning and then really love her by the end, that's a testament to the person voicing that character. Yeah. So, it couple, of course, coupled with the writing by Neil Druckmann and the entire team at Naughty Dog, but I think Laura Bailey's performance was phenomenal, and I really hope that she gets the this award because I think she's very deserving of it. So, you think that it's either going to be Ellie or or Abby Ellie or Abby Uh, and who do you want to win Uh, probably Ellie
0: okay I don't know I I like her from the first I like her in the second yep I wish they didn't do her dirty in the second one but I think as far as the physicality to I don't her just the emotion that she portrays in her performances I think she deserves it
1: yeah no I definitely agree with all that Uh, The next award here, Ryan, is Best Audio Design. So this is recognizing the best in-game audio and sound design. The nominees are Doom Eternal, which I kind of feel like is the sleeper hit almost this year. I feel like not a lot of people were talking about that. Is
0: this as far as music or is this different? No, so these
1: are two different awards. Audio and sound design is like in-game audio and sound design. So like the way the guns sound when you, you know lock and okay, load it and all that good you. stuff um, and then there's a separate award for best original score and stuff like that um, so Doom Eternal Half-Life Alex, Ghost of Tsushima Resident Evil 3 the remake and The Last of Us Part 2 um, where are you at with this one I mean I never
0: played Doom um, so I mean I have watched gameplay of it and if I would have played it I probably would have picked it oh really yeah Um, that with its audio, I think the audio was, I mean, it's just like metal, just people screaming and just hard rock as you're killing shit. And all the guns sound fantastic. So I think if I would have played that, I would have picked it. Okay. Interesting. So you, do you think that's going to end up winning then? I think it has a chance. I don't think the, I would think that would be the winner. I don't see The Last of Us having any crazy audio designs. I think environmentally, there are some, it has good immersion, but most of the time, you're sneaking around, and it's pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, that comes more into the music side of it. I think, as far as mechanics, it would be Doom. Um, as far as what I've played, I think Ghost. Yeah, um, there was for that one as well. Um, the environments, similar to The Last of Us. I mean, you just have these beautiful landscapes, and you can, you feel like, I mean, whether it's foxes, birds everything that you're chasing around the environment before you're killing people. um, It's just really well done.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they almost need another descriptive word to describe this award, uh, and that is, like, immersion. Mm -hmm. Somehow, you know, (coughs) building that into the description, just because I feel like best in-game audio and sound design, that enhances the sense of immersion in the game you're playing, or something along those lines, because uh, I agree with you. I actually voted for... Last of Us because again I just have this soft spot for it and it's hard to kind of remove myself from that yeah. lens. and
0: I think a lot of the the voting staff throughout most of the categories that The Last of Us are on are going to fall into that same kind of, not empathy but like mindset of it, it's pretty high up there.
1: What, the that's, unfortunate that's thing afraid. about this is I think everyone's basically holds The Last of Us as the winner and it's like okay can these games knock off last of us as opposed to looking at all of them as objectively while still being subjective as possible saying like all right everyone starts at the ground floor what did these games do that made it deserving of this award yeah um, and I'm, I'm almost
0: afraid that they're going to te- i mean similar to some of the uh like hollywood kind of awards where it's like hey put me on a cover and I'll let you win an award kind of thing.
1: Or even like the Grammys where it's just like, well, Taylor Swift is obviously going to win 11. And, you know, maybe the smaller artists might win one or two.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I discount all of those award ceremonies at this point
1: because they're so meaningless. Well, if you want to hear about award ceremonies, uh, the best person to listen to his opinions of them are Gary Whitta. Okay. He has lots of thought about thoughts about, you know, award ceremonies.
0: I mean, celebrities in general, I don't know why we give them time of day. Like... They're just fucking people. They just happen to do a job that gets them more money than most other jobs. Like, but yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, But
1: anyways, what I was going to say is that you talking about Doom the way you did, I think I'd now slot that as the one I think is going to win. But I also, for all the reasons you described, when it goes to Tsushima to win, because at the time that I voted for this or voted for these awards and the player choice side of things... Um, I hadn't beaten Ghost of Tsushima, mm-hmm. but after finishing that game, um, I think I would have voted for it a lot more uh, than I did Last of Us for a lot of these different awards.
0: Yeah, one of the review channels that I watch is ACG, mm-hmm. which he goes a lot in, or he goes into the audio on a lot of different systems, but evaluates both audio and the music and like the level of immersion on like a technical level. He was also the guy who had the PS5 crash mm, uh, okay. for the. Uh, Spider-Man.
1: But yeah, it's Ghost of Tsushima. Good stuff. Best audio design. Alright, so getting into the best score in music, one of my favorite things in video games, uh, playing games in my youth, but also certainly more in my adult life. Uh, soundtracks are always something very important to me, and so this award goes to the game for outstanding music, inclusive of score, original song, and or licensed Soundtrack. So the nominees are Doom Eternal, composed by Mick Gordon. Final Fantasy VII Remake, composed by Nobuya Umatsu, uh, Masai Hamasu, and Mits- Mitsuto Suzuki. <laughs> uh, we've got Hades, composed by Darren Korb. Ori and the Will of the Wisps, composed by Gareth Cocker. And The Last of Us Part Two, of course, composed by Gustavo Santaolalla. <laughs> And additional music by Mac Quayle. Quayle. Um what do you think's gonna win, Ryan? And what do you want to win here, uh, dude? I have no idea for this one. All, really? Oh,
0: they're they're all fantastic. Um, it, it's really what genre you you're really into, because mm. you have Doom, which is like heavy metal. You have Ori, which is are just these fantastic like
1: orchestral scores. Yeah,
0: and then Hades is similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but more stylized to like the Greek, but with more emotion to
1: it. And Final Fantasy VII obviously are just almost remastered versions, versions of, of Final the Fantasy. original game.
0: And then I, I can't remember what The Last of Us does as far as music.
1: No, oh, it's Gustavo, man. It's classic Gustavo with his acoustic guitar. I mean, it's it's really really good stuff. I guess I mean, they yeah. For me personally, you know, for a number of reasons, I think Last of Us should win this. In my, in again my opinion, um, I think Gustavo Santaolalla coming into the game i never thought he could have outdone what he did in the first game i think he absolutely has outdone himself with the last of us part 2 um cuz each time the music queued up i just felt like you know particularly at the end of the game right, do you want to pull up a song um i can definitely do that um but also like during critical moments in the story i just felt like i i always go back to the quote between Steven Spielberg and John Williams you know we talked about this before yeah, that you know yeah. Steven Spielberg might be able to bring a tear to people's eyes, but it's always John Williams that made it fall. And I keep going back to that one, I think, of The Last of Us Part 1 and 2, that you know, Neil Druckmann and the entire story team at Naughty Dog, they do such a phenomenal job at telling these very emotional stories, but it would be nothing, nothing's maybe a little bit extreme, but it wouldn't be as emotionally impactful if you didn't have a score to tell you how you're supposed to feel in that moment. Yeah. And I feel like Gustavo Santuolaia does that so incredibly well. And, and The Last was Part two, certainly the most emotional game. I played this year in quite some time. I think he's he just does such a great job at making you feel certain feels. But even more than that, Ryan, what's really interesting here is that they got a licensed song. So going back to the award description, original song and or licensed soundtrack, they got a Pearl Jam song, Future Days, that is kind of like the anthem of this entire story. Yeah. And it perfectly, a game that was written many, many years ago before the story to Last of Us Part Two was ever penned, that song so perfectly demonstrates and tells the story between the characters of this game.
0: Yeah, I, I'd still really like Ori to probably win. Okay, that's fair. Um, it, I don't know if, is Ori considered indie? Uh, I know Hades. Moon considered... Studios
1: has become a, plumbing more like prolific, you know, video game developer at this point. So it's I don't know. To... I
0: think I really want Hades or Ori, just a lesser known. But I, I think The Last of Us is going to win.
1: I respect that. I definitely respect that.
0: I don't. I don't know. Just giving some food to the little guys.
1: We'll go back because... to episode eighty six and listen to the episode that we were recorded with good friend of the show, Frantic frantically enduring and surviving. And I have uh, a number of Last of Part two songs composed by Gustavo Santolaya in that episode. Okay. We'll see so. if I... If I listen this week, if I change my mind. <laughs> okay, I do want to quickly then. So you think that probably Last of Us will win? Yeah, but probably you, for the
0: <laughs> like the next most of them four
1: other cat or the next but remaining. But you categories. want Hades or Ori to win? Yeah, good stuff. Okay, so I think and want Last of Us Part Two to win for those awards. The next one we have here is Best Art Direction. Uh, this is for outstanding. And, her outstanding creative and or outstanding creative and/or technical achievements in artistic design and animation. So the nominees for this are Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and The Last of Us Part Two. Ryan, what do you think? What do you want? Um,
0: for this one, you have three kind of realistic, photorealistic, um. I mean Final Fantasy they always do a great job, but mm-hmm. this one's in particular, they look extremely life like. Next level, yeah. Yeah. Ghost as well, and then The Last of Us. I mean, motion captured helps with that a bit. <laughs> just a little. Um and then you have the two kind of artsy styles. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean, I really wanted Hades to win. It's it's I don't know if it would be considered cel shaded, but it's it's just a gorgeous game. Okay, uh, so
1: you want Hades to win, right?
0: I don't know who they would vote for, though. Come back to me
1: on that one. Okay, Convince so me. Once, think. Um, for me, um, what do I think is going to win here? I could see this being Final Fantasy. Yeah, I, I think I could definitely see Final Fantasy 7 Remake taking this. So we look, we look at the description here outstanding creative and or technical achievement in artistic design and animation see i think and i won just because i haven't played hades and i haven't seen a ton of gameplay and even though i haven't played ori and the will of the wisps i've seen plenty of gameplay and that game is gorgeous oh my gosh it looks so good
0: and there's a shit ton of particle effects that just look amazing
1: yeah, I think Ori and the Will of the Wisp is probably my think and my want here. Okay, no,
0: I'd i be on board with that one if they won. It's, it's really for this one, you can only do so much for photorealistic before it's like, oh, it's just another one of those realistic. But I think it's taking your risk with a, your own art direction, which sets apart Ori and Hades.
1: Yeah, I mean it really depends on the jury's interpretation of artistic design and animation and and what is the standout game of these nominees. And so if they look if they, if they applaud photorealism and motion capture, well then yeah, it's going to go to Ghost or Last of Us. But if they really applaud artistic vision and animation, well then Hades and Ori and the Will of the Wisps with a standout choices here. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting. I think um, at least I want Ori and the Will of the Wisps to win, but we We'll see, Ryan, the next game we have here. Or the next award, I mean. Best Narrative. And so this is for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. The nominees are 13 Sentinels, Aegis, 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 We've all played this one. (laughs) Uh, Blink's actually a big fan. I think uh, this is VanillaWare's next game following, uh, what, Miramasa and the Demon Blade? that was my second thought okay. <laughs> Odin Sphere somebody please help me uh, the next one Final Fantasy 7 remake uh, Ghost of Tsushima Hades or The Last of Us Part 2 again this is the award for best narrative where are you coming on this one Ryan I don't know
0: this is, as far as storytelling and <sighs> I, I think it's going to go with The Last of Us yeah I think so too but ne- do I necessarily agree? Um, that one was basically that revenge destroys you and turns you into something you don't like, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of themes you could take away from The Last of Us Part Two. I think that's one of the most obvious ones. Yeah, the real surface-level shit, Ryan, that everyone gets. I mean, yeah, I, I, I would <laughs> take another look at that game, you know? No,
0: I I don't know. I, I think the pacing of that one destroys the narrative for me. Okay. Um, so I... I think that's what the judges are going to go with, but as far as how it's told, I don't think it's done well. Okay. Um, but I, I can definitely understand how the the size and the poll that that studio and game have mm-hmm. would definitely pull that vote. Got it. Um, I, I think for me, it was between uh, Ghost, and what was the other one? The one between those two? Uh, Final Fantasy Seven Remake. I could see that. Um, I think it's... I want Ghost.
1: Yeah, I mean, I when I voted, I voted for Last of Us, and I said I want Last of Us. I still think I'm going to stick with that. However, Ghost comes really, really close for me. Um, I, I think the tie-up there could be
0: the pacing of the map, which would I think would pull you away from it. It did, for it's, sure. If you go pu- fully on the beeline the story and just go for the main points and then if you decide to branch out to sub uh, side quests that'll improve maybe Mm -hmm. but yeah I think the overall just main story was a good one
1: okay good stuff so you want Ghost you think Last of Us yeah alright next one we have here uh, we're getting into the final three actually the final two here so the next one we have is best game direction so this is awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. So the choices here are Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half-Life Alex, or The Last of Us Part Two.
0: I don't know. I, I don't see remakes as great game direction and kind of innovation. So Final Fantasy, it looks pretty. It's basically this, I mean, besides some of the live action, not turn-based combat. I th- I've heard good things about how they've kind of mixed the two and created their own thing, which I can appreciate. Um, I-, I have a hard time giving it to them, but I could definitely see it being up.
1: Well, I'm sure, and here's the thing, so I'm sure the Crony Link nine ones of the world are like already pulling up their phone and getting into the Otaker Brothers podcast, gmail.com, writing us a lengthy hot and heavy message about why we're wrong for thinking that, which is perfectly fine, by the way. If you disagree with Ryan and I's um, what we think and what we want to win for the reasons that we've discussed here in the episode, by all means, write us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. Hopefully you can get it in before the Game Awards go live so it isn't one of those things where, you know, you're pointing your finger in our face and saying, ha, 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 see, this is why you're wrong when 7 Remake ends up winning. But by all means, I would love to hear why people think that Final Fantasy 7 Remake, which is really only like 30% of the game, and we probably won't see the next iteration for another, you know, 45, 7 years, whatever it's going to be. Yeah, um, it's... I don't know. I I think it's beautiful, and
0: they've changed some things, but it, it would be similar, and not to shit on a game that I, I'm really enjoying, but it's it's like giving Demon Souls remaster a game design where it's it's literally copy and paste, but you've just upresed it for Bluepoint. So yeah. it would be hard for me to vote for Demon Souls for this category if it was up. I mean. They've obviously changed a lot more from the original as far as combat systems than like a Demon Souls, which is like copy and paste. But yeah, I, I don't think it's innovating enough. Um, as far as Ghosts, I think it was really done well. Um, it, it takes, you can't help but compare it to Neo, which is similar, I guess, Japanese setting. Um, but just done so much different, and the combat was so crisp. I think that was really a good... a really good game. Uh, Game direction. I think Hades would be where I
1: would want it to fall. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, honestly, I'm kind of just tired of giving Last of Us and Ghost of Sushi. Yeah, awards that, at this That's point. my thing. It's like, Last of Us... I'm sure
0: it's going to get all of these awards, top yeah. five, and it's, it's a shame for... The other games that are on the list that, I mean, they they did such a good job and deserve the credit.
1: Well, it's like one of those things. You go back to the Academy Awards in two thousand three when The Return of the King got like thirteen Oscars. Yeah, it was nominated for like thirteen. And it did a clean sweep, and by you know at the end, I think it was Steven Spielberg himself. He was like, "It's a clean sweep. Best Picture goes to Return of the King," and the whole cast comes up. And so, is Last of Us Part Two Return of the King? I don't I don't think so. But is it probably going to clean sweep a lot of these awards? I think so. And I, mean, I don't want to say unfortunately so. But, man, I hope it isn't just, like, game award after game award. It's just, like, Last of Us goes to Tsushima.
0: Last I mean, of it's Us It's like goes launching Tsushima. one of the big, type, like, Horizon. Oh, okay, every award's going to Horizon. Or, like, one of those big AAA that some of these smaller games... I don't know if Final Fantasy is a small game. But, like... <sighs> I don't know. I, I don't want a clean sweep. Yeah, it it would be hard for me to see. I mean, not that Lord of the Rings, Return of the King was not just. That was the, absolutely the deserving best. of the game. It clean was sweep. definitely.
1: Nolan, watch the fucking Lord of the Rings, please. My gosh.
0: I would completely agree. But as far as games, I don't know. You end up. Me personally, it's like. I, I like the underdog, and I think that's a very common thing, but.
1: I would love to see Hades come out and just.
0: Wreck. I would love to see them sweep, because it is, as far as game direction-wise, the narrative told through a roguelike, you don't see roguelikes on top of the charts um, award ceremonies. It's just a weird genre to me, Yeah, uh, which you kind of discussed at the beginning of the show, that I think is giving it to a small studio for something that they've, kind of to the description, innovated.
1: Yeah, I, I would. I want Hades to win. So you want Hades, and what do you think is going to win?
0: Game Direction. I could see them just cronying up to The Last of Us.
1: Okay. So I said, um, at the time of voting for these, uh looks like I put... I voted for Ghost of Tsushima, so I'm going to say that's what I want, and I think Last of Us is going to win.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think originally I put Ghost as well, but I wanted to have some perspective because Hades was on most of these Mm -hmm. to be able
1: to talk to it. All right, let's get into the final award here, Ryan. I don't want to, I really want to get into our predictions because I'm kind of tired of talking about The Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima so much here. Um, So the game of the year, this is recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields before i read the nominees i want to quickly go down the list for the nominees in prior years and the winner in prior years just to kind of paint a picture of historically of the games that have been nominated what's what do they typically trend towards in terms of the winner so let's go um uh, latest to most recent uh 2014 we had dragon age inquisition bayonetta 2 dark souls 2 Hearthstone, Heroes of Warcraft, Middle of Earth, Shadow of Mordor, Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor gets snubbed and Dragon Age Orge, or uh, Inquisition ended up winning in 2014, all right, Dragon mm-hmm. Age Inquisition. 15, we have The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, Bloodborne, Fallout 4, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, Super Mario Maker. Any guesses what the winner here was? It's not Bloodborne. It was The Witcher Three. Yeah, even though Bloodborne, course. I probably would have chosen. I I definitely would have chosen. Having recently finished The Witcher Three, though, I don't know. It's a tough. It's a tough. You call. haven't played Bloodborne in a while. I haven't. You're right. Uh, God, I want to 2000- play Bloodborne now.
0: <laughs> it's so so beautiful.
1: Uh, 2016. We have Overwatch, Doom, Inside, Titanfall 2, and Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. Any guesses? Uncharted, Overwatch. <laughs> really oh dude that game like lit the world on fire uh, okay yeah that was a big game at the time and it still is it's it's probably up for uh Poor a nominee. Uncharted
0: Four. that game was brilliant
1: it was yeah i mean out of that list i think the, the obvious well i mean doom would have been right up there too but i would have chosen uncharted 4 out of that list just me 2017 um we had the legend of zelda breath of the wild horizon zero dawn Persona 5, Player Unknown's Battleground, PUBG, or Super Mario Odyssey. Breath of the Wild? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would have...
0: I like Horizon. I would
1: have chosen Horizon because that's the Zelda game that that's, I probably that's wanted. That's like,
0: not the indie one, but I mean, Gorilla... What's Gorilla, right? Yeah, Gorilla.
1: I don't see them as a
0: huge studio, and they took such a big risk. They literally went in like, hey, what's your riskiest idea?
1: Oh, dinosaurs and a girl with a bow in like a post-apocalyptic world. Well, see, this I see almost like a a similar situation to what we find ourselves in in 2020, where you look at the history of Guerrilla Games and they make the Killzone series. Yeah. And they go on to make something like Horizon Zero Dawn. Such a stark contrast to what they're used to developing. And I kind of see something similar when... You look at Sucker Punch, when they previously made Sly Cooper, and then they went on to make the infamous games, and now they more recently make Ghost of Tsushima. That's kind of why, that's my argument case for why I think they should win, because one, Ghost of Tsushima on its own is a brilliant game, but seeing the history of that developer and how they took a huge risk and leap to make something like Ghost, and how successful and how brilliant a game that is... Because that one was sold out for months. Yeah, I think that... And that's why you and I both bought it digitally, because we weren't I'm willing like, to wait.
0: Yeah, I went to... God, it was like three GameStops and like two Walmarts and like a Home Depot. Yeah. So, And Couldn't none of them either. had... <laughs> I don't know. Uh,
1: 2018, Ryan, we have God of War, Assassin's Creed Odyssey... Man, what a year this was. God of War, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Celeste... Marvel's Spider-Man, Monster Hunter World, and Red Dead Redemption 2. Man, that was a good year for video games. Yeah, it really was. What do you think won here? I think God of War,
0: but World deserved it, for sure.
1: Yeah, I don't... See, I didn't play Red Dead 2, I didn't play Spider-Man at the time, I didn't play Monster Hunter. I didn't play any of these games, I didn't play God of War either yet.
0: You Uh refused to... Like, I have Red Dead, and I haven't played that one, but... Monster Hunter, I have too many hours in.
1: Yeah. Well, God of War ended up winning, probably very deserving it, yeah, of it. Yeah, that was a great game. The few hours I did, I have played of it, it's it's really, really good stuff. You so. still haven't played it, right? Yeah, I mean, I played on stream for probably four or five hours. I just haven't finished it. Okay. God, you need to fucking play that game. Patience. Patience. My co-worker's beaten it
0: twice, and he has two kids and a wife. Wow. You have none of those. <laughs> I think you have a wife, but... <laughs>
1: I have a dog. Put time screen. into God of War. Okay, 2019, Ryan. We've got Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice, or Sekiro, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, The Outer Worlds. What do you think won here? Oh, dude, it's definitely Sekiro. <laughs> it was Sekiro. Oh.
0: I was so like they were so happy. When that won, I think they were really surprised. I was happy for them. I think though.
1: if I played all of these games last year, which I played a number of them, it probably would have been up. It probably would have been between Control and Resident Evil 2 remake for me because Resident Evil 2 was. Gosh, that was so good. It was a pretty game. And uh, Control, I mean, Remedy Entertainment, of course, the developers behind Alan Wake and I believe the Max Payne games. Um, Blink and Sprite are huge fans of the Control, and I'm sure. Uh, I trust their opinions I'm sure it's brilliant I actually have it on the PS4 back there so I'll play it eventually but Sekiro won that year and then Ryan we get back to 2020 the nominees are you ready yes we've got Doom Eternal Final Fantasy 7 Remake Ghost of Tsushima Hades Animal Crossing New Horizons and The Last of Us Part 2 what do you think is going to win what do you want to win
0: um, I, I can see it again going to The Last of Us Part 2
1: yeah, I think it's definitely going to be The Last of Us Part 2. Having recently finished, and what I just talked about earlier when looking at 2017, when you compare something like Breath of the Wild to Horizon, I think that uh, I want Ghost to definitely win.
0: Yeah, for me it was a, a toss-up between Ghost and Hades. Damn. Um, I, I, I kind of want Ghost more. I think that's what I, that's what I have highlighted here. But seeing game of the year go to an indie developer. I don't know. I don't it's kind of an ego boost, but it's just it would be really cool to see. It's oh, a, it's a winning game. would be so cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, as we've said a number of times as we've been going through these predictions for each of the awards that we will hear Thursday night, Ryan, what is the true what are the true winners? If you can get in the podcast before the uh, the game awards goes live, we'd love to hear from you at Otaku Brothers podcast at gmail.com, or hop in the Discord. The link is in the show notes below. Always amazing conversation going on in there. So please join the community. We'd love to have you there. But Ryan, at the tail end of the show, because not only are they going to announce the winners for all of these awards, there's going to be lots of celebrity camos, cameos, probably plenty of cringe, uh, but there's also going to be game announcements. So probably more from games that we already know about. And I can only imagine there will be game showcase that we know nothing about yeah. to this point. So I, lo- uh, I wrote down three bold predictions and then I wrote down three hopes and dreams. And I actually have an article that I need to pull up too. Uh, I actually already have it up, but I do want to briefly read through it because it really excites me about the future of potentially owning a Series X. But before we do that, there's a quick te- tweet tease, tweet that I want to read from Jeff Keighley, of course, the host of the Game Awards. He said this on December 5th, so yesterday afternoon. Uh, Starting to see final versions of some amazing next-generation games we will show you next week at the Game Awards. I'm so blown away about what this industry has and continues to accomplish in the most challenging of years. I'm officially pumped. So, obviously as the host of the Game Awards, he's supposed to put little teases out there that get people hyped up. Mm-hmm. But even him saying he's starting to see final versions of some amazing next-gen games kind of plays into my bold predictions and also my hopes and probably also things that we don't even know about. So I think you have one sole prediction. I have a few. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay, well, enlighten so, us. What's what's your first prediction?
0: What I, I mean, kind of what I would like to see. Coming off of the last Halo Infinite trailer, mm, yeah, there was some backlash, and since then, the administration's changed, and they've had, what, like a month or two mm-hmm. um, to go back. I would love to say, like, they just flash on the screen, we've listened, or something like that. Oh, hell yeah. And just show their revamped trailer. I don't care if it's... I mean, it was a long gameplay trailer for the last one, but... Just show us what you've done in the last two months and just rehype us for Series X and that coming next year and say, yeah, I mean, all we ever want is just the the two companies to say, hey, we've listened to any critiques or any of the studios to say, hey, we've listened to the community.
1: And the only tidbit I'd add to that, because I completely agree with you, I actually um, I pre-ordered Halo Infinite back in the summer, of all things, and... I pre-ordered it at Best Buy, and for an extra, like, $20, they're like, oh, you'll get this, like, little tiny figurine of Master Chief. And I said, oh, that's cute. I'll throw that on my, my, uh, my desk here. And lo and behold, I got a notification from Best Buy saying that that actually shipped, obviously not the game, but the figure. And this thing's every bit of, like, what do you what would you say here like a foot and a half two feet high or something stupid like that no that's like a foot foot yeah it's a foot high little master chief figure that's on it's my like six feet up. He's life size He's actually <laughs> yeah. animatronic and comes to life and cleans my house it's kind of like a smart house two situation here. it's a but... free gun <laughs> <laughs> but uh no a sweet figure and i'm very excited for the future of halo i think the only tidbit i'd add to your prediction there is that i hope they just say more details in 2021 I don't want them to say spring or March 31st mm. or any kind of date because they've already dug a grave for themselves with a the number of times now that this has been delayed. Or I don't think number of times, but certainly it not being ready for the launch of Series X. Yeah, Don't commit to a date. Just show us what you've done since the backlash and then just say 2021. Get off the stage because then people... We already know it's coming in 2021, but when you lock in a date, it just kind of locks in this artificial hype that if you don't make that, well, then you're going to get more backlash. Yeah. So just say 2021, show us a good trailer, get us super pumped for more Master Chief and shooting aliens, and uh, man, that'll be sweet. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I'll start with my bold predictions, and the first one I have here, um, I'll share both my first bold prediction, but then my hope, because they're kind of tied uh, recently, we got word that Phil Spencer had seen a build or been playing or something related to Elden Ring. Of course, FromSoft's yes. next game is the game that Miyazaki is creating uh, with uh, George R.R. R. Martin, of course, the writer of the Game of Thrones books. And uh, my bold prediction is that Elden Ring will be shown running on Series X, and it's confirmed that it is a Xbox exclusive that's my bold prediction just because of phil spencer talking about that they want to be buying more studios moving forward just him alone talking that he's seen a build and been playing it there's rumblings around the interwebs that microsoft might be potentially buying from soft i want none of that to happen i I don't
0: want any of that either
1: i don't want it to be even an xbox exclusive uh so my hope and dream is they showcase Elden Ring and it's cross-platform and it, a release date of June 2021. Yeah, I
0: don't even want that to be PlayStation 5 exclusive or P, like Sony. Not at all. No, I, I, I just
1: want, every. I mean, similar to Sekiro, I just want everyone to have it. Dark Souls, same, same yeah. deal. No, I'm with you. I mean, I just, that type of a game, as big as Elden Ring is going to be and how successful FromSoft has been this past generation like even Bloodborne if they remastered that or whatever they want to do moving forward with Bloodborne Bloodborne 2 I want that to be on Xbox as well because for the people that only have Xbox consoles that haven't played Bloodborne that game is so special
0: yeah Um, no I I could see I mean it was originally released the trailer at an Xbox event Um, I would hate to have it exclusive to any console maybe it's exclusive to the Switch can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> low res, <Yeah. laughs> fifteen frames per second? Oh my gosh! No, um, yeah, I, I just want them to show a trailer. Yep. Any more than the cinematics we've already seen? Not one
1: gameplay. And again, I think a June 2021 release date is definitely possible. Because
0: the first couple Sekiro trailers, they actually had some gameplay. Mm-hmm. And right now, all we have are some words and some fa- fa- like fantasy shit. When well,
1: FromSoft isn't one isn't a developer to consistently tease over the course of they, their development have,
0: cycle. Let's go further into that. They have horrible communication with the community. Yeah, just it, it's been a year and a half, and we've heard jack shit except At the for Home one. Depot. You can do the holidays. Home Depot. Oh my <laughs> gosh,
1: I had ESPN up. My bad. Yeah.
0: Um. I I think they need to say something, and I would love a gameplay trailer and 2021.
1: Yeah. I agree. And I guess one of the other things, too, uh, getting off of the Elden Ring train just a little bit here, my bold predictions and even my hopes, like, I didn't really come up with anything too wild just because, like, it's such an unpredictable time right now. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of developers are probably hesitant to pull the curtain a little bit to say like hey here's what we're working on just because of the uncertainty of the coronavirus the pandemic and what 2021 is going to look like and how that's going to affect the development cycle cycle for these games yeah so i was kind of like
0: we don't need dates though we just want to know what people are working on that's true i mean i don't give a shit if you tell me when it's coming out i mean we know elder scrolls is going to be out god i don't know
1: Laura and I will pop out three kids by then. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy.
0: But I mean, I'd, I'd be happy with the trailer for that. Yeah. But we need that space field, Starfield. We haven't seen anything except Space for a title. Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there were some three leaked photos of that. I could see them doing. Uh, I mean, coming out of Microsoft, getting Bethesda. Yeah. They could release a trailer. And I'm like, oh hey, this game's still a thing, even though we've just released a name.
1: Well, because I think Starfield is gonna come out long before Elder Scrolls Six does. Yeah. And so. As much as I want Elder Scrolls 6 to come out before it, because that excites me more, I don't see that being the case. So, yeah, hype us up with Starfield. Show us a nice gameplay sequence. Maybe lock in some kind of release window, like early 2022 or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, just show Microsoft they're going to get some use out of the IPs that Bethesda owns. Yeah. And hype 100%. up Xbox fans on Xbox only or whatever it is.
1: Yep 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 all right so the next bold prediction i have here is breath of the wild 2 gameplay is shown as is the switch pro both of which will be releasing in spring 2021 and breath of the wild 2 while also playable on the base switch console will run at whatever frames per second it's just going to run look and play smoother on the next switch console
0: yeah i could definitely see that happening i mean we just got hyrule warriors um which is taking place a hundred years before the first game mm-hmm. and then continuation. I, I think it makes sense at just putting out the high rule yeah. to show that as well. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, cause that would be another, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many mic drops they want to do for game announcements, but we've only seen a cinematic so far. So that would be a huge one.
1: Yeah. My second hope kind of just ties into, you know, you're, you talked about halo infinite a bit, I literally just put a bullet point saying any news about xbox first party games because yeah. i think it's pretty evident that fable is years away elder scrolls 6 even with the bethesda purchase is years away starfield is a long ways away halo infinite i think is probably going to be coming fall 2021 ever wild apparently that game is still really early in development at rare so I just, not only do I want to see more footage of games like Fable and Avowed, that first-person Elder Scrolls-like type RPG, and some of these other games they have in development, I don't know, man, I just want to hear about stuff that's coming near-term, because... I so badly want to get a Series X, not only for the backwards compatibility component, but I want to play some of these next-gen games. And certainly from a multiplayer standpoint, like I want to play Call of Duty Cold War with friends. And I want to be playing that on the Xbox ecosystem. Yeah. I want to take advantage of Game Pass. But right now, it's tough for me to stomach a $500 purchase without also having that next game that's going to put me kind of over the edge. Because I'm already there. I already want one. But I just need the one thing to put me over the edge, and Halo Infinite would have been that. Yeah. At launch, because you were gonna take Xbox over PS Five. Hundred percent until they announced the launch lineup for PlayStation Five, and I'm like, see that. that and puts even me over early
0: the edge. 21 with the titles that are coming out for PS Five, it's better. But I, yeah, I, I completely agree. I would love to see them announce a. I don't even give a shit if they do only Xbox. Steal the show. Yeah. And say, hey, this is cross-platform, but it's Xbox this night.
1: Yeah, first world reveal for Xbox, Microsoft, whatever. Yeah, like, I, I would love that.
0: Yeah. No, take I,
1: the momentum back. You know, Series Xs will start selling out faster than the PS5s are selling out, whatever. I don't care about sales numbers, but I just want them to take ownership over some of these first-party development studios that they have and really just blow everyone's minds.
0: Yeah, no, I'd love that.
1: Um before I reveal any of the, my other predictions, Ryan, what do you else, What do you got on your palette there?
0: Uh, I, I really want something more about Horizon to Ooh, final up the yeah. launch window of that. We haven't seen really much gameplay. Mm-hmm. I think it was all cinematic for the initial trailer. Yeah, I think so. Granted, it looked freaking beautiful. Um, But I would love not much, but just a tease of gameplay. I don't want to see too much because I don't want anything given away in that story. Yeah. But I think if they show... Aloy in the any of the environments. I don't I don't want to see her even taking down any of the monsters, because we've already seen some cool monsters. Just show some of the sets.
1: What about um Well stay on that? Yeah, I could definitely see some kind of extended gameplay demo of someone walking through an environment, showing how combat's changed, maybe showing how the DualSense controller is gonna affect the gameplay. Yeah. Maybe if you have the DualSense headphones um, or the 3D audio headphones, like how that's going to just enhance immersion. Uh, however they pitch it, I too would love to see some type of extended gameplay demo for Horizon 2 Forbidden West. Where are you at with God of War Ragnarok? Do you think Cory Balrogs have come out and have any kind of more details on that, or are going to say ho-hum for a while? I mean, I'm fine
0: being with that being pushed back. Me too. Um, you haven't played the first one, so you have no real hype. You know. I. I Beat the first one, and it's a great game. I'm excited for the continuation of those characters. But, I mean, that's Sony exclusive. They already have such a good lineup for 21. Yeah. Early and mid. I don't know about late yet. but I feel like
1: Horizon would be a perfect November game. Mm Mm-hmm throw ratchet and clank in the july august september time frame and then we have Kana bridges spirits in the spring assuming that game still makes its uh, release window yeah
0: i mean we have a solid four or five games that are big titles that mm-hmm. are coming in 21 ragnarok would be icing on the cake but as far as what i actually care about i think probably elden ring is number one. Oh yeah i think halo infinite i want to see that do well yeah. And I want them to knock it out of the park with some tease. Um and then show us what we already know is probably coming in twenty one. I think they I I don't think they put a date on the initial, but with Horizon. I want to see that come out. Yep. Um, and then if you show us Bridge of Spirits again, I you can't go wrong with that game. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, just I show us one, one of those little black puffy things. <laughs> and just MP. put it on the screen, like similar to your Sackboy video that you sent me. Just yeah. give us some cute shit and be like hey, we're still coming out. Here's the launch date.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would love to see more Kena. Uh My last bold prediction, and again, it's very vague because I just don't want to commit to much because I don't know even what this game would be, but I think we'll see another Nintendo first-party project revealed that we haven't seen yet We know nothing about there's no rumor mill that it's in development just something completely new but a subtle tease kind of like what we saw in breath of the wild to that trailer which i think was in 2018 or or maybe it was 19 i can't even remember at this point but and i don't know what it would be but i think this is going to be one of the key takeaways where twitter is just going to be an complete uproar not in a negative sense but just like oh my gosh But I also don't know what that would be because Metroid Prime 4, I think that's just in development hell right now. I don't think we're going to see that for a long while. Uh, So I don't think they're going to tease any more of that. I'm not sure if like a new 3D platformer, Donkey Kong country type Mm. thing, so like uh, DK64. Because they just had, I mean, yeah, I don't know. They just had a Donkey Kong game come out, though. I mean, Tropical Freeze is relatively recent. I don't know. I don't think F-Zero would have the broader appeal. I mean, I think there's certainly a huge fan base there. I don't know if the Game Awards is the time or place for an F-Zero announcement. Mm -mm. Um, Mario Kart 9, potentially. I don't know if we need another Mario Kart right now, because 8 is already the definitive version, even though that game is still (laughs) broken. I think they
0: just kill it with Zelda. I I think that's all they need.
1: You're right. I mean, that is the trump card, for sure. Um, but again, we're being bold here. So we're just throwing out a random first party Nintendo game. Uh, my last hope, <laughs> notice how all my hopes and dreams are tied to Xbox. Cause I just want I want an excuse to go buy that. Yeah, I want that them right to now. do well. Um, and the last one I have here is my hope is that Xbox game studios, the initiative finally reveals their project and it's a new perfect dark game, which is kind of what the rumors have been. However, I did some digging Uh, before we recorded and I found this article published on November 12th of this year and the title says new Xbox studio said to be working on Perfect Dark it hires PlayStation and Infinity Ward talent uh, from studios including Naughty Dog Santa Monica and Insomniac oh shit so Here's a little glimpse of the article. It says, Xbox Studio The Initiative is continuing to staff up with talent from leading studios as work progresses on its debut project, which is reportedly set in the perfect dark universe. Established in 2018, The Initiative is led by former Crystal Dynamics studio head and Activision development boss, Daryl Gallagher. Other notable figures on its experienced team include game director Daniel uh, Newburger, who held the same role on the Tomb Raider series, and lead designer Drew Murray, who held the same position on Insomniac's Sunset Overdrive. Uh, Fast forward a little bit. While its debut project remains unannounced, the initiative is reportedly working on a third-person game set in the Perfect Dark universe, and if true, it would mark the Rare franchise's first installment since 2005's Perfect Dark Zero, which was a launch title for the 360. Now, I think somewhere embedded in this article, there was talk about this being, or maybe it was a separate article that I had up, that it would be a potential episodic game in the Perfect Dark Universe and so, a couple things come to mind when I think of that. Are they saying episodic in the sense that it's one grand game, kind of like Telltale's The Walking Dead Season 1 but mm. it's split up into episodes that they release over the course of a few months or are we talking episodic in the sense of Final Fantasy 7 Remake or it's going to be like a 10 year development cycle before we see all parts. I, I want nothing of the latter. Yeah. If it's the former, even that I'm a little hesitant to get excited about. Like, I don't know why we're complicating Perfect Dark. Like, it's not that difficult to make a competent first-person shooter. And the Perfect Dark franchise, like, just remake the first one if you have to.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I. It sounds very much like a games-as-a-service. And I haven't heard oh of one games-as-a-service game that's done well. Marvel, the one that just came out, Avengers. the Avengers, has like a thousand people total on Steam.
1: Notice how no one's talking about that game, and it's not nominated because for a it lost.
0: Was uh, it? I think in their most recent, it was Square Enix. Their uh, profitability, it lost them like six. Was it billion dollars? Six million dollars or something? Yeah. And they're basically like, yeah, if we would have sold more copies. we would have been profitable. This was a
1: critical failure, probably.
0: Yeah, no, it's not good. Mm -hmm. And that you have um, Anthem from EA. You don't have any good scenarios where Games as a Service has done well. I mean, you have Fortnite, but that's an exception.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about the whole Games as a Service. Well, I know how I feel. I certainly don't want them to do that to Perfect Dark, especially coming away from... I think we could consider Perfect Dark Zero a flop from 2005. Like, very few people were walking away saying, this is the future of the series, and this is the exact um, follow-up that we wanted to the N64 classic from the year 2000, Um, the follow-up, the spiritual successor to Goldeneye. I mean, that would just be such a shame. I mean, I want nothing more than... Even if you're not working on a Perfect Dark game, I want them to be making a great first-person shooter, but... From These early little snippets of news, it worries me. What excites me is that they're bringing on creative talent from really great, um, talented studios Infinity Ward, Naughty Dog, Santa Monica, Insomniac. That instills hope into me. Uh, I don't, I hope, I don't want to put a whole lot of stock in this episodic thing because it's just a rumor right now, it sounds yeah. like. So, but the hope and dream is that they showcase a new Perfect Dark, even if you just like zoom in on Joanna Dark or she's narrating how the world has changed since the last entry and she's, I don't know, I don't even know how to pitch the game but I hope Joanna Dark makes her um, definitely wanted return and I think that would be a terrific way to market the Xbox moving forward is Perfect Dark returning. Yeah, that'd be great. So, with that being said, Ryan, we've talked the game awards to death, we've shared many predictions, anything else before we cap it? No, I'm just excited to see what happens. Me too. And what's announced. Me too. So.
0: Stay tuned.
1: Stay tuned indeed. Ryan and I will be recording a follow-up episode of this one next weekend following the Game Awards. Again, it is Thursday night. I know I will definitely be tuning in. I'm sure Pete Doerr will be streaming it, so I'll probably be tuning into his stream. And uh, very excited to see where these awards come in and certainly what is announced. But with that being said, Ryan and I are going to call it. Thank you so much for listening to the Otaku Brothers podcast as Ryan and I get ever so closer to episode 100 where we will be doing the community game of the year awards where we want as many people to tune in and submit their choices for our five awards. Again, you can find that on the Otaki Brothers Twitter account or on our Discord. So we'll be back next week. Uh, as I always do at the end of every episode, I turn it back to my podcast co host here, Ryan. Any parting words for our yeah, listeners? Just
0: have a great week. Uh, stay tuned for the game awards and uh answer the damn survey
1: that's right uh, (laughs) that's right see you guys (laughs) all right we'll see you next week Bye. bye